Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. I am Brent Young, as always, joined by my fellow partners in crime, good friends, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Doing well, man. Well, is, that the, is that the Athens setup? No, no, this is... Oh, you're, the, you're back here? Okay. Yeah, this is this is home home base. Home okay. base. I didn't know if we were getting our first look at the, the Athens so. No, no, no Maxon yet. <laughs> Live from Athens, Ohio. Nope. Aaron Smith. How I'm down, are we? I'm downtown Cincinnati, bro. Come on now. There we, go. there we go. Chad, how are we? Getting back to normal a little bit. Still, still a lot going on. Dialysis for Kelly three days a week at 6 10 in the morning isn't a uh isn't a fun family ritual to add to the list, but but you're uh, all under the same roof. Yeah, we're all we're all back. Everybody, you know, her and Kelsey are already bickering like mother daughter. So things are things are good. And back to as back to normal as they're gonna get for right now. <laughs> and those things, those things you probably like back in the day, you might be like, Oh, they're bickering again. But right now you just sit back and you're like, ah, it's great to see them <laughs> yeah. bickering again. Except for the fact that Kelly's heart is bad right now and the kid right. makes her a little crazy. So it's like, you're going to give your mom another damn heart attack. Shut right. up and take the dogs out. Boom. <laughs> Boom. But yet again, we're seeing the Cincinnati community work wonders in front of our eyes. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, go, go check out the board. Go check out Chad's Twitter account, uh, Bearcat Journal Twitter account. Pretty much every every Cincinnati Twitter account out there right now. Um, go find me page for, for Chad and his family. It's, it's awesome when the Cincinnati community gets together, especially for our uh, our our brazen leader, our our man in shining armor, who's going to give us <laughs> the greatest breakdown of the Cincinnati-Notre Dame game, no demand, but still, check out the GoFundMe pages. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever seen Chad blush, and you, you just made that happen, so that, that was that was a thing. I don't like doing this stuff. No. Like, I, I don't, but... Which, which is when you know that it's it's gotten to the point where, you know... Yeah, we just, swallow. we have to... Yeah. The house situation is really like the rest of the stuff we can handle. We've been able to handle, but the house situation right now just sucks. And we're just right. trying to make sure that Kelly doesn't spend all over time stressing. And if we have to make a decision, we can make a decision comfortably and not uh, underprepared. So right. uh, everybody's been amazing. It's awesome. Uh, thank you. I know a lot of the people that listen to this pod have donated. Uh, thank you a million, million times over. And uh, it has eased her mind a little bit while she has done things like uh, talk to insurance for three hours today as they called and checked on why, you know, she just had a couple hundred thousand dollar uh, <laughs> bill put in from the hospital for a 21 day stay. Uh, the, the insurance lady was like, well, Sometimes hospitals just, you know, don't give out the right information. So I was just calling to check. Kelly was like, no, I, I pretty much died. Like, there was a reason we were there. <laughs> She's like, well, sometimes people go in for dehydration and the doctor just lists that they're having kidney failure. And Kelly's like, no, 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 I've got the real kidney failure from when Shelton. my heart from when my heart tried to stop. Like, good Lord. But it, it, it puts our mind at ease, and that's really, like, the only, the only goal of this thing is to keep her from worrying about shit. And if we, if we need, you know, a lifeline, the lifeline, the, the safety net is there. So 
that's where we're at. And everybody is uh, incredible. And, you know, thank you to all that have chipped in, even the Xavier fans. They've, they've got a, a thread going on Rick's board where they're, they're chiming in as well. So thanks to them. It's only a game. All the little shots and jabs. We're all, we're all on the same team at the end of the day. Until it you know, I, you know, I, South Bend and all of them, you know, they're at least on Kelly's team. I don't know if they're on your team, right. but they're on yeah. Kelly's team. Which team, is fine. Team Brendel. We just don't <laughs> know which which leg of Brendel it really is. <laughs> I've said this a million times. Like people don't understand that don't really know us. I've told her for we've been together for twenty one years. I've told her for basically twenty years. Like we can't separate because if we do all of my family and friends will pick you (laughs) like that's and it's only half joking like i know my immediate family dad aunts uncles cousins like if they had to pick between me and kelly kelly would be at christmas and i would be sitting at home with myself eating a frozen pizza like so it's it's very much for kelly and not for me (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but Barstool just dropped out the one bite. Everyone knows the rules, frozen pizzas. So, you know, there's there's a new one to try. I, I tried it tonight. We'll get to that later. All right. Tried it tonight. No idea. That's yeah. awesome. Wait, you didn't somebody did do you not check out the uh the mailbag? No, I haven't been, dude. It's been a it's been a day. Okay. Well, you're here. So yeah, I you look I've good. Got, people are asking for my frozen pizza rankings. We'll see if uh, we'll see if one bite is at the top of the list after today's today's trial. Yeah, We'll do that in the mailbag segment though. That's a tease. People are going to be upset with me on the mailbag because there's a lot of Notre Dame questions and I just haven't really had time to dig in to all that stuff yet. So you're going to write the preview. I'll let you answer a lot of those questions, Brent. I got your back. I got you. All right. Uh, let's let's do a podcast. But but you know so, so a lot of it so far has been adversity. Our, you know your your family going through adversity. Dave Portnoy possibly going through adversity if the BCJ community does not like his famous frozen pizza combo. One bite, everyone knows the rules. Aaron Smith going through adversity himself. Both of these teams, Cincinnati and Notre Dame, have gone through adversity. Both sit undefeated. Both sit in the top ten. This is the perfect stage being set for what's going to be, I mean, should we, should we come out and say it? Is it the most important regular season game in Cincinnati football history? There's so much on the line this week. You know, I mean, with it being, this could change the trajectory of Cincinnati football forever if they can somehow get into this college football playoff. And right now with, you know, the Clemson loss, um, Ohio State. Ohio State's been dropping the ball since. But they, I mean, they lost to Oregon, so they've got they've got right. one on their 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 resume. Oklahoma doesn't look great. Texas A and M losing this week. Yeah, SEC is going to eat each other up. The Big Ten will probably eat each other up. Yeah, I. This, I mean, the, the stars are lining up, and you know, it, this is certainly the most important game in the Luke Fickle tenure. And I would venture to say that, yes, this, this has every implication of being the most important game in Cincinnati Bearcats history. I think people forget that the pit game was a regular season game. Right. Well, yes, that, that was, that was that not, was right up but, I, but people think that that, that game was the big, big East championship, championship game. Right. 
they did not have a championship game. That was the final game of the regular season right. that just so happened to pit number one versus two. No pun intended. But so to this point, that is the biggest regular season game in UC history. But I, I have a hard time even given like that game had ramifications that could have placed Cincinnati in the national title game. Right. Not week five, right? Not right. so far with so much more to go with eight regulars or eight, you know, American athletic conference games. Right. Ready to go. Like I I'm inclined to say that, that this probably is, but there's still a very strong argument you could make for that pit game because Cincinnati was top five in the country. They were trying to be in the top two, right? You know, they, they were number three at that point and, and had a chance. They're one second away from playing Alabama for a national championship, or they were number four at that point is what I think, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but that one, man, that one's a, that one's a, a, a high mountain to climb, but top 10 on the road in South Bend against Notre Dame, against Brian Kelly, against Marcus Freeman. Like there's, there's definitely no bigger storyline game in the history of Cincinnati football, because it's like the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas (laughs) present. Like they're all here. Like everybody's, Mm -hmm. everybody's here. The only other thing that you could have lined up is if, the game had been one week sooner and it was us instead of Wisconsin that Brian Kelly was playing for that. that or, if, right. or if Wisconsin had won and then and he still up. needed, but, but, but that's you need different. the top 10. Yeah, correct. That's different implications than yeah. on the win. I think also you got to consider the BCS era was a little different than the college football playoff era. I think that if Cincinnati becomes that first quote unquote group of five team, which I am so excited to quit saying in the next couple of years, that's kind of breaking through the crust and almost like getting to the national championship game. Yes. It's not the final game of the season, but when you become those, those final four teams and you're playing in those two games, I I think that's considered up there with, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily an afterthought that Cincinnati played in the sugar bowl against Florida that season, an undefeated team, obviously Florida had the whole Tim Tebow situation. We we've talked about that before, but you know, it, it would seem as if, the casual college football fan would pull back that Cincinnati made the playoff. And instead of thinking that an undefeated Cincinnati team played in the sugar bowl against Florida, when, when also, yeah, but, but that also would have under the current system, Cincinnati would have been in the playoff. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's just the whole, you know, perception and the way that people see things. It's, it's a, it's an interesting, different, different look at it because obviously college football changes at the drop of a dime. But you mentioned storylines. Can we can we run through them real quick? I've got them all listed out, or most mostly all of them, I think. First off, obviously Brian Kelly. Second off, Marcus Freeman. Then you have Mike Denbrock, former offensive coordinator for Notre Dame. Then Luke Fickle played and coached against Notre Dame. That was a pretty cool tweet put out by. Dan Horde today about how Luke had interception at Notre Dame Stadium and he won as a defensive lineman for Ohio State. Mike Elston, Notre Dame's defensive line coach. Chad, you remember him? Oh, yeah. 2007 to 2009, he was with Kelly here at UC. Mike Mickens, obviously. Jeff Quinn, head coach 
in the Sugar Bowl game after Brian Kelly left for Notre Dame. And, and if you remember, well, not if you remember. Now, if you look at it, people are asking for Jeff Quinn to be replaced midway through the season. That simply will not their be line's bad. Happens. Oh, the line's horrible. We're going to touch on that. But I don't think that that Brian Kelly will, will say goodbye to a friend like Jeff Quinn midway through a season. I, I believe Jeff Quinn was with him at Grand Valley State, wasn't he? Yeah, and I believe at uh, Central Michigan as well. But And then you keep on going yeah. down. Uh, Jacob Flint was the strength and conditioning coach for Notre Dame right now. He was also at Cincinnati with Kelly. Chad Bowden, you're, of course, you guys know him all too well. He has really put his imprint on everything that's going on up there in South Bend. Armand Benz. And then here's an interesting one. Armand Benz was a grad assistant at Notre Dame under Kelly. Um, Mike Tressel, he was a defense coordinator, obviously, at Michigan State. He played against Brian Kelly, Notre Dame teams, one and one as the defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinator, including a 36-28 victory at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, Ron Crook coached with Brian Pullian, who is the associate head coach at Notre Dame right now. They coached together at Stanford for a season. And of course, Michael Young is a former Notre Dame player, now a Cincinnati wide receiver. So the storylines are, are very, uh, very evident in this game. Jeff Quinn was with him at Grand Valley State for a long time. Yeah. Like, it looks like Brian Kelly's entire career was the OC and offensive line coach at Grand Valley State, was with him at Central Michigan, was the interim at Central Michigan <laughs> when Brian. Brian Kelly left, came here with Brian Kelly, was the interim at Cincinnati when Brian Kelly left. And then he actually didn't join him right away at Notre Dame, if you remember. Yep. He went to Buffalo. Buffalo. And was head the head coach. coach at Buffalo right. from 2010 to 2014. And then went to Notre Dame when that ended. And has yep. been with at Notre Dame since 2015. So my question, after hearing all those storylines, first off, fan perspective, which one do you think is the most prevalent, the most should be the most talked about? And then as far as the game goes on Saturday, which one has the biggest implication on what's going to happen on the field? I mean, I think it's going to be Brian Kelly being the most talked about being that he was, you know, the way he left Cincinnati and, and went straight to Notre Dame and all of that. I think that'll be the most talked about second would be the uh, Marcus Freeman, but Marcus Freeman, I think will have the biggest implications. Okay. I think I'd agree with that. I mean, I, you know, obviously Kelly's going to get the spotlight. It's, he left Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame. And since then he has become the winningest coach at one of the most storied programs in college football history. Uh, his comments today were, <laughs> I think he meant, well, basically it was like, you know, <laughs> such a backhand, backhanded compliment, man. It's such a backhanded but I, compliment. I think he meant, I don't think he meant it that way. Like the problem is that's genuinely how a head coach at Notre Dame thinks. Like you know, we're going the opportunity to play Notre Dame, right? Yeah, that's how he sees it. Uh, of course, that's how UC fans are going to feel about it. But the way that it comes off is very backhanded compliment. It does. You know, I wanted I wanted to give Central Michigan and Cincinnati as if Central Michigan and Cincinnati are uh, peers, it's the same. Right? Yeah, I wanted to give Central Michigan and Cincinnati the opportunity to play to play Notre Dame. Uh, well, why didn't you? Okay, then why didn't you do a home and home? Right, right. Like, why didn't you really? Care? Why didn't you really try? Instead right. of you know, just we'll we'll get here's your here's your buy game here's your tap on the head. Uh, but I guarantee you, they did not anticipate 
when that deal was signed that Cincinnati was going to be the number eight team in the country. Right. I also don't look for Cincinnati to be anywhere near their schedule in the next decade. No, 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 no. But, but also you got to think games are supposed to be easy. He doesn't want to give us that opportunity again. Right. God, there's so many things I want to say right now. I hate it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it, Aaron. No, no, I mean, no, they're, they're, they're literally words that I don't want to say on the podcast. Oh, the off the record thing would have been perfect. Yeah, he did. He did tell you if you wanted to say things off the record to get it off your chest. Yeah, let's get it off the chest before we hop in. But hey, I guess but that'll have didn't. to come after. I, I mean, now I'm caught up in the emotional flow of it all. And hit Aaron's DMs after the pod <laughs> if you want to know how he really feels. But no, yeah, it you know, AC Smith 37. Oh man, <laughs> obviously, I you know. Brian Kelly has has this viewpoint, and he's, he thinks that Notre Dame Stadium is some some magical location. He wants all these teams, these you know, poor Cincinnati's and Central Michigan's, to come in and and see what it's like to play at Notre Dame Stadium against the Fighting Irish. So you don't you know, think Luke Fickle will be using that this week a oh, little bit, I, do you? I swear he needs to. I you know it, it was enough to see Cincinnati favored because it's all about chips on shoulders and bulletin board materials. You know, the, the Cincinnati favorite thing was interesting to see. Opened I, at what, one? And, and I think it's grown to two and a half. Like two and a half right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw it open at two, but. Yeah, two up to two and a half, I think is what I saw. I but, saw somewhere. I, I swear to God, I saw somewhere at, at, at minus one. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely grown I mean, to two yeah. and a half. But if you caught it at that minus one, more power to you, I suppose. Who knows? Who knows? But either way. I've got a question when it comes to the Marcus Freeman situation. Chad, you've been around practice as much as anyone in the past, you know, four years. How much do you think Marcus Freeman truly knows nuts and bolts about a Mike Denbrock offense? Is, is, is it every single play he, he's able to call out as they head out? Well, there? I mean, up to up, up until up until he left. Right. Like that, that assumes that the playbook has stayed the same through spring football, summer camp and, and into this season with different personnel. Right. So, I mean, he knows the, the generalities of what Denbrock wants to do. Um, he well, we've knows talked kinda, about, I was just gonna say, we've talked about how much better this wide receiving core is this season, as opposed to last season, the tight well, ends he, have yeah, matured. What he, what he doesn't, what he doesn't, what he hasn't seen is how this offense looks with a legitimate field receiver. What he hasn't seen is how this offense looks with a take it to the house threat in Jerome Ford on every snap. Like he's seen ground and pound physical grind it out, beat you up football. This offense is a little different when it's clicking, right? When it's clicking, when it's not clicking, you know, and I, here's what I'm in. I mean, this is the big thing with Marcus Freeman. That defense was trash for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Toledo, Toledo <laughs> put 30 on them. Are they starting to figure it out? Right. Or is Wisconsin a disaster offensively? <sighs> Graham Mertz looked awful. Five turnovers, four interceptions. Awful. Yeah. Which, well, and, which, and, and that's, it, it, you know what, the, like the, the end, the fourth quarter was strictly because Wisconsin knew they couldn't score 10 points. Like, 
that like they were getting desperate because they knew running their stuff, they couldn't score enough to beat Notre Dame. They got it out of character, definitely. Which which we've seen teams do, right? Which we've seen teams do against Cincinnati in the past, where yeah. in that second half, it's just complete demolition by the by the Black Cats defense under Marcus Freeman. I, it, you know, so so how much do you think the flip side? Because I feel like everyone is talking about Marcus Freeman and his familiarity with Cincinnati. How much of a factor do you think it is on the flip side with Mike Denbrock? and his familiarity of the way that Marcus Freeman likes to run defenses? Or do you think it's something where Marcus is going to come out with a, the game plan that he has been, you know, he picked this game during the summer and spent an extra week practicing on it. Like he used to do here with Cincinnati. I think if you spend an extra week practicing for Cincinnati's offense, you wasted a week, you wasted your summer because you spend an extra week for Navy. Right. Because it's different UCF UCF it's different with how they're trying to just constantly pressure you down the field down the field down the field Cincinnati runs pretty I don't want to say conventional because there's plenty of wrinkles but it's not like you're you really have to like get in your lab and come out with some new you know creative oh my god we've never seen that before scheme um, to, to defend this D this offense. So it's, it's about more, you, you kind of, you know, what Cincinnati is going to do. And now they've got the players to do it effectively and be really good. So it comes down to execution more than anything. And I mean, you know, the, the, the same thing holds true for Denbrock as it does Freeman, like Denbrock hasn't seen what Freeman's scheme looks like with, with this group of talent that he has at Notre Dame. Right. Now he may know like what he believes to be his tendencies are, but what if those tendencies have changed because he knows, especially they played four games. He's learning his team now. So I think you're going more off of what you've seen on tape uh, through these first four weeks of the season, than reverting back to, you know, what was happening in practice in, in 2020 or 2019. Right. Exactly. And Aaron, what would you say has been arguably the biggest deficiency or, or, or the area of concern for the Bearcats football team through the first three weeks, like area that just needs improvement. I've, I've not been quiet about my concern with special teams. I mean, we've talked about that almost every week, Um, whether it be, you know, the just kickoffs in general, or the fumbleitis on the punt returns, um, you know, and you know it's it's not been a growing huge concern, but it's it's certainly been something that there are areas of concern. I mean, that's been my biggest area of concern for sure. Um, second would be this first half offense. Like you you can't just come out and be flat for two quarters against a top ten team in the country. So, you know, those would be my, my top two areas of concern, probably in that order. Um, you know, I think the, the rake has, has gotten things a bit settled down to where he's kind of finding his groove on special teams. So that's not necessarily a big area of concern. I think that the teams recognize that 
Montgomery was struggling on punt returns, so they've started to slide Trey Tucker in there. So it's not like the team isn't seeing the things that we're seeing at home, you know, from from our couch or even up in in the box, you know, as as the press. So I think that the team's making the necessary adjustments. As for kickoffs, I don't know what you do when both of your guys that you have to kick the ball are both shanking it right out of bounds. I have no idea how you fix that, but beyond that, um, the, the, you know, the, the, the first half offense would certainly be a concern. You, you can't be stale. Right. Right. And, and definitely getting, getting out to an early start is definitely important. And, you know, I would, I would agree with you on the special teams. I, I think for the most part, they were able to kind of write the ship with that at IU. Uh, you know, you had the the 27 yard punt return by Ryan Montgomery had the obvious kickoff return for a touchdown. But like you said, it's in a game like this, because if you look back at the Notre Dame game against Wisconsin, did, did you watch it at all? Or I was, I was visiting family this weekend, so I didn't right. get a whole lot of time. We had the game on and I was kind of in and out of sleep, honestly, but right. Right. So it, <laughs> Which, which is fine, but this was, I, I mean, to be honest with you, the first three quarters of the game were kind of a, kind of a snoozer. So it's, it's very understandable, but if you look at the, the game that Notre Dame played against Wisconsin this past weekend on Saturday, it was, it was an interesting 13 to 10 lead for Wisconsin at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was after, you know, a, a, a Wisconsin field goal gave them that 13 to 10 point lead. And kind of both teams were stuck in the mud. It seemed like it was going to be one team was going to win by less than a touchdown, and it was a toss-up of who was, who it was going to be. And then, like Trey Tucker did at IU, it was Chris Tyree who was able to take the kickoff return 96 yards for a touchdown that kind of jump-started Notre Dame as a team. And as Chad mentioned, this Wisconsin team is not really known for playing from behind. The defense really flexed for Notre Dame. And what was a 13 to 10 Wisconsin lead at the start of the fourth quarter ended up in that 41 to 13 victory for Notre Dame. I, I mean, you've got some, some random, you know, back-to-back pick sixes, you know, you've got third string quote unquote, Drew Pine quarterback coming in and, and orchestrating a drive that ended up with a touchdown. So Aaron, my question to you is this fourth quarter kind of made the, the score look a little different right. and it kind of masks some of the deficiencies that Notre Dame has had throughout the entire season. Are you happy with that final score against Wisconsin? Because the, the casual fan, you know, some of that might've fallen asleep in the first half would, would look at that box score at the end and be like, wow, Notre Dame absolutely demolished Wisconsin. So I think the Notre Dame game is kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, the Notre Dame game against Wisconsin was a double-edged sword. And I say that in that obviously you wanted the, the Bearcat fan and you wanted Notre Dame to win so that they were a better win should Cincinnati be able to beat Notre Dame. Right. However, the way that Notre Dame won with a fourth quarter comeback, more or less, ended up being a ton of momentum going into this game. Right. That all said, they're decimated by injuries right now. Their quarterback hasn't really gotten it all figured out much of the season. And so, you know, to your point, they, they certainly do have their own deficiencies. It's not like we're facing a Notre Dame team that's firing on all cylinders and we should be scared as hell. Like, you know, the, the sugar bowl against Florida right? with, with a Tim Tebow and, and God on his side quarterback. Well, they had a murderer. I mean, they were, they had, they also had maybe the just 
grossest coach in all of college football history, but that's in Brent's words, a story for another day. I like that. I like that. But, but also in the same sense, you could, you can mention, I, you know, it's, it's not quite the Cincinnati trip to Columbus a couple of years ago, you know, you know, it's, it's completely a few years ago. It's completely different circumstances. You know, Justin Fields was that quarterback then for that team up in Columbus. So Chase it's, Young. And Chase Young was, was on the defense. Although this Notre Dame team's got some really good defensive players. But still, Chad and Aaron, if you haven't looked at the box score already, don't look. Do you know what the net rushing yardage for the Notre Dame fighting Irish against Wisconsin was? I know it was really bad in the first half, like single digits. It was low. Uh, what maybe fifty-seven yards? Okay, Aaron. I think. Guess. I think. I, I. The only thing I knew about the first quarter was how many sacks there were on the quarterback. So, well, and that counts against rushing. So, yeah. So it, there were six six total sacks against Notre Dame quarterbacks, which they are second to last in the country in sacks allowed. Yeah, Akron is the only team that is worse. And they they have one they have allowed one more sack than Notre Dame has throughout the season so far. Notre Dame finished with a net of three rushing yards against Wisconsin. Oof, three. I thought they had a little bit more in the second half, but three yeah. rushing yards. Yeah, which and, and Wisconsin's you, defense is is yes about on par with Cincinnati's. I, I would say they are in the same you know tier if we're we're ranking college football as things current currently stand. So their front seven that, is that, really good. Just yeah. like and, and Cincinnati. so it's Cincinnati's. Yeah. yeah. I Cincinnati's back or back four is probably better than Wisconsin's, but both have really good front sevens. Right. And I'm gonna steal this this stat as well from irishillustrated.com. Uh which which they do a really good job over there. The the fans are in La La Land. You think I'm an eternal optimist? Go hop on their board for a little bit, man. I you know I I am getting bombarded by Notre Dame fans. All my friends are Notre Dame fans, and group chats have become unbearable so Should far. Find this new week. friends, and it is only Monday. It's only Monday, guys. Anyway, Notre Dame low ranks- profile. Let them talk. <laughs> I've them I talk. barked. I've barked back a little bit, but it's a little hard when it's ten on one. So, That's what she uh, said. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Ooh, so hey. the stat I was talking about, uh, Notre might, Dame. Might have to edit that one out. Right. <laughs> Notre Dame ranks dead last in the FBS in yards per rush before contact, 0.63 yards. The next worst Power 5 team is Washington, who has almost doubled. So since the start of 2020, Cincinnati is allowing 1.69 yards, very nice, per rush before contact. 17th best in the country. So it's it, it's something along those lines of something got to give. I you know the the AAC isn't really known for rushing the football. They did play an Army team during that 2020 up to now. All Navy's known for. Yeah, they didn't they didn't play them in 2020 yet. So I, or <laughs> or 2021. So it's kind of a uh, an interesting aspect to see where when this this talent level amps up a bit, and also that Georgia game is can is also added into this as well. Is this Cincinnati defensive line and linebacking corp against this offensive line, which has given up all these sacks and, and all of this, just no rushing allowed to, to a running back who's supposed to be one of the best in the country. Is this the make or break spot in this game? Can, is, is it the defensive trenches 
dominating the offensive line, and then Desmond Ritter leading the victory somehow, some way, like he's always done. Well, I think that you saw some of the 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 defense exposed a little bit against Indiana, but I think that was largely for due a half. To, for, but I think that was largely due to the offensive line of Indiana, and I don't think that Notre Dame's offensive line comes close to what Indiana's offensive line was. But well, Indiana's offensive line still allowed a lot of pressure on Penix. Like that's correct. That's where those interceptions came was, from is in the run game. I know what you're saying. Right. Um, but we saw Indiana leave six and seven in. Brian Kelly's not a leave six and seven in to protect guy. Like he wants guys out running routes. So that's now maybe maybe we see a switch in philosophy from Notre Dame, but then are you really taking Michael Michael Mayer out of being a pass catcher? Like, that's right. not who they are. That's not who they're built to be. They're not built to have a running back and a tight end protecting the quarterback. And I, I think that's shown because what has been Notre Dame's forte for, for the last, what, through this, like, second renaissance of Brian Kelly's career has been they can block you a five. Mm-hmm. You know, they're putting – they're churning two, three dudes in the NFL – Yep. off their offensive line every year. And this group is not gelled. They have not well, shown that that they can handle that. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati's front seven against Notre Dame's offensive line is key. I, I think Cincinnati's offensive line against Notre Dame's front seven is, is just as key. Will Vinny McConnell be back? I think we'll have a uh, – we'll have a better feel for that tomorrow because practice is, is open tomorrow. Uh, right. Keep this in mind one slight schedule change uh bcj pod is going to be wednesday this week because dave is going to the bengals game on thursday and then leaving straight from the bengals game to go to south bend uh because he has to get up early friday morning in golf who day who day right but just just one thing to remember about that iu game as well is they had they had a probably about what three or four rushes that were kind of a little razzle dazzle reverse or a little you know and around that, that they were able now, to pick up 20, you'll see that from 30, you'll yards. see that from Brian Kelly. Right. Right. But I'm just saying it, it, it's not like Indiana completely dominated inside of the tackles and we're, we're, we're picking up the chunk plays there. I, I think this is going to be a really good game for the depth of the defensive line to really show what they can do. And then of course that linebacking court to take that next step to Sean Pace to take that next step and show what he's, he's been able to do. But I, I look for a big Darian Beavers game here. That's what I'm hoping for as well. Yes. Now, Chad, Chad, you did mention that we we've seen some different things out of Notre Dame in this second renaissance, if you will. But one of the things that I can I think sticks out a little bit as we talk about how they're not a team built to drop a tight end into pass protection, a, a running back into pass protection is the tight ends that have emerged from Notre Dame have largely been your receiver type tight end. Yes. Now, Michael Mayer is a large human. Sure. Like six, five, every bit of two, like two fit. Like he's a big boy. So if they want to leave him in to pass protect, they can, but I think he's the best tight end in the country. Yeah. It, yeah. He's going to, I don't think he's to being be used like the best tight end in the country right now right. because of the other issues that they're having. But can you, can you really afford to not have him? out running routes and out being there an option for, for, for Jack Cone. Like, and here's the thing I like, I was joking around with a, a guy on Twitter on Sunday night or month, Saturday night, mm-hmm. Sunday, one of the two, I don't know. 
um, about Jack Tone. He can be an effective quarterback, right? If he has time in the pocket, but he is right. not a guy that can that can be effective if you ha- if he has to move his feet, if he has to get out into space. And Cincinnati's defensive line, while the sacks haven't really come yet, they have still been as good as last year in getting pressure and getting the quarterback off his spot. Um, so if he's going to try to sit back there and take five steps, seven step drops and let plays develop, he's not going to be in his comfort zone. They're going to be in his face. Yeah. Which brings up the point, the teams that have played Cincinnati so far, the first two obviously did the, the quick passing schemes, the schemes to not allow the pass rush of the Bearcats to really be involved. And then, of course, Indiana, they did kind of hold it a little bit more. You saw some some very uh, interesting passes by Michael Penix. You saw some some really good passes by Michael Penix, honestly, with a lot of pressure in his face. And then, of course, a lot of turnovers as well. Do you think this is the first time that you're going to see a quarterback in, in the pocket? Chad, did you watch the Wisconsin Notre Dame game at all? Yeah, most of it. It was – Jack Cohn had, had no time in that first quarter. No time. Yeah. It was – it was it was a catch and then a defensive player in his face right away. I yeah. is do you think Kelly's gonna adjust to a little bit more of a of a quick passing game? It seemed like they started to do that a little bit against Wisconsin, or is this gonna be one I, where they kind of just max max protect and figure it out? Again, I, I don't think max protect is Brian Kelly. I just don't right. I don't think that's who he is. So I think they're more likely. I mean, we've seen teams have success being quick. Um, and, and trying to get the ball out and trying to avoid the pass rush. But I think to his core, like Brian Kelly is who he is as a play caller, is who he is as, a, as an offensive mind. I think they want to do that. Like we saw against Wisconsin, they moved to that, but only to back Wisconsin off a little bit. Right. They didn't stick with it. Right. We didn't see a full game of Jack Cohn taking three-step drops. Right. But we didn't see a full game of Jack Cohn at all. Right. But um, we didn't see a, a full game of, you know, three steps, hit that back foot, get the ball out. We saw him do it for a couple series to try to change up what Wisconsin was doing to keep him from <coughs> <coughs> swallowed wrong. <coughs> mm-hmm. There, there were points where Wisconsin was just pinning their ears back on passing downs, right? Like they right. were just coming straight after Jack Cohn. And that, 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 that was first quarter. You usually don't see that early in games right that's something in fourth quarter when you got a team down by two scores Mm -hmm. and you know they're gonna pass this was you can't run on us and we're gonna either you know we're gonna put pressure we're gonna put five or six guys coming after your quarterback on every play um that part of the chess match is going to be really interesting now after the comments that he made earlier today and knowing what you know about brian kelly do you think that he has a big enough head to think oh, well, we're Notre Dame. This is what we do and not make those adjustments? Or is he looking at this game, circling it because it is Cincinnati and giving them the proper respect that we feel that Cincinnati's do? And actually give Cincinnati the proper respect. I don't have any any doubt on that. I think those comments are going to be taken out of context to an extent uh, because I I don't think like that's what Brian Kelly was trying to say. I think it's just the 
the natural arrogance of being the head coach at Notre Dame and the natural arrogance of being Brian Kelly. The In a game planning sense, he knows how good of a coach Luke Fickle is. Like he knows how good this Cincinnati team is. I don't think he's going to take this lightly by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Well, because he also said in his press conference that this is by Cincinnati is by far the best team that we've played up to this point in the season. So um, he also knows what, what it's going to bring, but guys, I'm going to list off a, uh, just a uh, list of names for you guys. And I want you to tell me which one does not fit with the others. Okay. This sounds like a fun game. I agree. First off, we've got Jordan Travis. Then we've got Carter Bradley. Then we've got Jack Plummer. Then we've got Graham Mertz. And then we have Desmond Ritter. Which one does not really fit with the other ones? Can you guys Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Yeah. The last one. He's the only one who's not got the whitest name I've ever heard. (laughs) Were those all quarterbacks at Wisconsin? No, those are all. (laughs) Well, good point. Actually, actually one of them. uh, Yeah. Well, anyway. But (laughs) yes, those are the quarterbacks so far this Notre Dame team has faced. Were those all shooting guards at Wright State University? <laughs> Christ State Long School. We, Aaron we, Smith. Come on now. They're not all white. <laughs> Fair enough. What did, but, what, did, what did Broering say that we cut out of a podcast that, that Wright State's basketball team picture looked like an NRA meeting? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> I just remember That's the, the NKU Wright State rivalry, just having some fun. The best guard we had while I was there, his name was Deshaun Wood. Just saying. Okay. Was he pretty good? <laughs> Probably should have. Never mind. Never mind. We I'll all stopped there. There were there was plenty of we got wood chance. You're you're a big Willie Wampler guy, aren't you? Bill I Wampler. I don't, I don't. No. No. Okay. So so the one name that obviously didn't fit there was Desmond. <laughs> good job, guys. You you passed the test. Um. I mean, my point being that this, this Notre Dame defense, yes, they looked great in the second half. And, and for most of the game against Wisconsin, they, they looked strong against Purdue, struggled against Toledo, and, and obviously at times against Florida State. But this is the first game that they really faced. At, at times against Florida State? They were trash against Florida State. And there, Florida were, State there were a couple of decent sucks. plays. Oh, oh, they're, they're terrible, as we've seen. And Kyle Hamilton made a couple of plays because he's a top right. five NFL draft pick. Right. But the rest of their defense was shit. So, so you're playing into what I'm saying. So is, is this a, a factor that obviously is going to be really highlighted and, and, and touched on? I, I mean, Graham Mertz had, had four interceptions and lost a fumble as well. That's five turnovers by your quarterback. He was only sacked one time. And, yes, this Notre Dame team, they, they really get after the quarterback. They pile up a lot of sacks. But this seems like a game that Desmond Ritter – I, and I'm going to say it, and, and I think a lot of people have say it, said it, and I think they have the same sentiment. If, if Desmond Ritter has a great game, and, and I mean just you a know, couple of touchdowns, maybe three total touchdowns, good amount of yardage, no turnovers, or at the very worst, one turnover, I, I think that propels him in, in a victory that propels him into the thick of, of a Heisman consideration, and this is the stage to really make those big-time moves. Well, yeah, because what do we know? Everybody's going to be watching this game. 
Yeah. Like all eyes are going to be on Cincinnati, Notre Dame, 230 ESPN. It's in that in-between time slot. NBC. Or NBC, that's what it is. It's in that in-between time slot where, you know, if the the noon games are kind of a dud, people are going to be switching over and and watching Cincinnati and Notre Dame. It's going to end before the 330 games really get cooking, end around halftime of the 330 games. So this is going to be the showcase. This is going to be the opportunity for Des to make his make his claim, make his statement to see if if he's ready for the big time. And you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting there, just hearing you talk about this this line of uh, questioning, kind of brings that up. Is yes, Notre Dame has been a team that's getting after the quarterback, but do you do that with Desmond Ritter? Right. Do you do you send the house to Desmond Ritter and leave running lanes for him to step up into, or do you play more coverage? Do you play? Does Marcus Freeman, with as much as he knows about Desmond Ritter, and as much as he knows about how good Cincinnati is when Desmond Ritter is on the move, mm-hmm. and how that changes everything you can do defensively, I think it bears question. Like. Does Marcus Freeman maybe outthink himself here? One way or the other, we don't know which way, but does he guess right or does he guess wrong? Does he does he bring more consistent, constant pressure on Ritter? Or does he play coverage and try to keep Desmond Ritter pinned in uh, to keep him from making those splash 20, 30-yard runs that really are body blows to the defense as a game goes on? I, I think that's really interesting as well. Yeah, and, and Aaron, the the rushing of Des. I I hope that this is going to be a game where he lets himself just unleash with his legs. Um, and I know people have, people but well, and people have compared this season already to the what was it the twenty nineteen season where no, he it was last year was slow to get off on his legs. Right. Yeah. It was last last year. year. Yeah. And then the um, SMU game, he just erupted. So, and I wonder how much of it has been him holding it back. So there wasn't tape, which I mean, people have tape on you, Des. Like, you can run, dude. But um, Marcus Freeman is not going to be surprised right. that Desmond no. Ritter can run the. We, we all know you can run, Des. Like right. the, the nation knows you can run. So I don't know. I mean, I think that that is a key of like the the entire offense taking off in that first half. Like we talked about, as far as some of the deficiencies of Cincinnati thus far this season, it just kind of hinges on. Does being able to recognize a situation where he can take off. And while he has gotten way more comfortable in the second half of pretty much every game this season, I think that's going to be the difference between getting going in the first half and, and kind of more of the same than what we've seen this season. Let's, let's talk O-line real fast. Uh, obviously, Chad, you've, you've touched on it. Benny's going to come back. This week, that's obviously up in the air. Who knows? Say he does come back. Did Lawrence Metz do enough at right guard last week to make Vinny's role kind of the possibility of kicking out and helping out at left tackle if there's some confusion there within the first you know few series? And you know neither James, John Williams or James Tunsell can't really lock down that left that left tackle spot. Do you really want a guy that hasn't? practiced a down at left tackle playing left right. tackle in a game of this magnitude. I no, I, no, I don't. 
Right. Um, I, I think the more interesting question is, would you feel comfortable with Vinny at left guard? Okay. Um, if you feel like Mets has, has earned his spot in the rotation at, at right guard. I just hope for the love of God that they've practiced some with moving defensive line. Right. Yeah. Fair. Also, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? You know who wasn't called for a false start? Lawrence Mets. Lorenz Mets. So um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, like I said, I think we will. Uh, I think we'll get a better view of that tomorrow to see kind of what things look like. If, if look, they've, they've talked about mono. If Vinny's got mono, he ain't coming back this week. Like, right, right. it's it, to especially like the, to get the weight back up and to get back to like uh, the ability to play four quarters of, of pressure football. Right. I, I just can't imagine we see Vinny McConnell this week. It doesn't seem likely if he really was dealing with mono. Right. Uh, so I would get ready for the line that you saw last week. And I think, and we're at the point that I think John Williams has a bright future, but I think Tunstall has, has earned his stripes because once he replaced him after the strip sack fumble, one hand, you know, uh, attempt, did you hear any problems at left tackle with Tunstall? I don't think you did. And that's, no. you know, that's against a pretty good Indiana front. Uh, even though they they lost uh, the greatest football player in the plan on the planet to a uh, to a penalty. If you don't know, I was, was going to say if you don't know the offensive lineman's name, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and Tunstall played a, a great two and a half quarters. Yeah, so uh, I think that's your left tackle right now. Um, and then you go Cooper, Renfro, Mets, and then. You know, Dylan O'Quinn at, at right tackle. I think that's what you're looking at for for the foreseeable future. And, and you know, it, then it kind of makes it a tiny blessing in disguise that Lawrence Metz had the the game that he had against IU, who is a good defense on the road in a in a pretty hostile environment, and was able to really have the game of his Bearcat career up to this point. So, you know, that experience and the, the ability for the line to kind of solidify there in the second half is probably just as important as it is for this entire team. Because, Aaron, when, when you break it down, where Notre Dame really has been excelling has been on their defensive front. Yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of touched on some of, the, some of the areas of work that need improvement for Cincinnati. And obviously it's just solidifying that offensive line. They aren't as anywhere near as bad as, as what Notre Dame has been. But Notre Dame's defensive line is getting to the level where they have the depth and they rotate like Marcus Freeman did here at Cincinnati. And they've got some high, high-level talent there on the defensive front. So I think the, the way that that offensive line really handles what the defensive line is going to bring them will be just as important because, I mean, that, that defensive line for Notre Dame looked like they, were, they had some pros out there against Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, you've touched on it. Uh, you know, several times the, the defensive front seven is it's, it's good. It's very good. And it's only going to get better under Marcus Freeman as you know, he's able to recruit in his guys as Notre Dame's incoming class is absurdly ranked at this point. And we already know the kind of guys that he brings in anyway. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're good. And I, I don't think that, I don't think that Fickle's going to be taking that defensive front seven lightly, right. but 
So before we wrap this up and, and move on to the next topics, uh, give me one player that you think is going to have somewhat of an, of an impact, whether it be unexpected or expected, you know, kind of like Trey Tucker with the kickoff return against Indiana, you know, on, on defense, like Sean Pace really having the game that he had, who's kind of a, a player that you think in this Notre Dame game is going to have that, that next step or, or maybe he's going to have a game that we expected, but really show out on the biggest stage. Well, if Cincinnati is going to win, it's going to have to be everything on Desmond Ritter. Okay. What was that? I'm sorry. I missed that. I was working on something else. Desmond Ritter. Just everything's going to have to hinge on him. Like everything. Taking off from yeah. taking off from the beginning, continuing that momentum. Well, I, 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 I got to step in on uh, uh, so a, a narrative I've seen on the board throughout, throughout the past couple of days of this whole like, Cincinnati has to play a perfect game if they, I don't, if they don't if they don't play well for a quarter or if they don't play well for a half they're going to get blown out. Wisconsin didn't they, Wisconsin played well for like 8 minutes. And they were in the game until the fourth quarter like until you know early in the fourth quarter like as long as Cincinnati like look it, it, it's very similar to what we talked about in the Indiana game, right? Mm-hmm. They played terrible. Right. But their defense is so good that they were able to hang around. And if Des doesn't turn the ball over twice, once wasn't his fault, but it was still a sack fumble, Indiana doesn't score in that first half. And Cincinnati's winning 10 nothing. Like, yeah. as long as this defense is on the field, Notre Dame, and we're not talking about a high-powered, like, they, they scored 41 points, right? Two pick sixes and a kickoff return. But That's Chad, 21. if you're Coach JB, Indiana left so many points on the field, and they they beat themselves, Chad. They beat themselves. Yeah. And that's another example of somebody never watching Cincinnati because guess what happens when teams get in the red zone against the Bearcats? They turn the ball They over. get boa constricted. They turn yeah. it over on downs. <laughs> they turn it over. They don't score. And, and also, so against Wisconsin, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the, the total offense for Notre Dame was the, they gained 242 yards of total offense. Not much. At, that is the third lowest ever in the Brian Kelly era in a victory. I, so it's, it's a, it's a, where'd stat. you find that stat? That's a good one. Um, I actually uh, listened to the, to the podcast that uh, the, uh, Irish Illustrated had so, and they were they were dropping some good knowledge. But so yeah, forty-one to thirteen. But you get you only have a total of two hundred and forty-two yards, the third lowest. I mean, in every game this year except for one against Purdue, they have either trailed or been tied at some point in the fourth quarter. I mean, you're you're talking about a Notre Dame team that kind of that that thirty-one point outburst in the fourth quarter kind of masks what has been kind of a eh, year so far for the Irish and. And the fact is that a lot of the fans not were kinda. Yes, very not kinda. Year, right. And, and the fact of the matter is Notre Dame fans were feeling not great about this team. Everyone wanted Jack Cone benched. Everyone was was freaking out saying Marcus Freeman is in over his head. He's he doesn't know what he's doing here. He doesn't have the right personnel. He doesn't, you know, everything bad about Marcus Freeman. Just saying that this this obviously then the glaring weakness that is the offensive line. So a 31-point outburst in the fourth quarter with 
the third string quarterback, two defensive touchdowns and a kickoff return for a touchdown is kind of masking the first three games and three quarters that Notre Dame has put out there. I mean, it's Toledo, Purdue, and Florida State. And Florida State is winless on the year, if you didn't know. So it's it's an interesting look at it because now – Including an FCS loss. Yeah, including an FCS. So it's, it's an interesting look at it now because you see that fourth quarter and you see how the defense was flying around for Notre Dame. And you kind of start to say, okay, well – Maybe the Irish are back. You know, maybe this is the, the Irish team to expect. But, I mean, Jack Cohn wasn't any part of that fourth quarter. Here's what you have to consider with Notre Dame. And this is where I give a lot of – like, this is where I give my most credit going into this game. Brian Kelly is a great fucking coach. Yeah, yeah. You can say – like, you can – there are many reasons to dislike Brian Kelly. His ability mm-hmm. to coach football is not one of them. He wins close it's games, not. too. He wins a lot yeah. of close games. He knows how to coach. Right. Why, why do we love Marcus Freeman so much? Because he knows how to coach. Like, right. there, there's, the, at, you know, there's going to be an even playing field here on the sidelines. Luke Fickle is a very good coach. Brian Kelly is a very good coach. I would even go so far as to say, if you become the winningest coach in Notre Dame football history, you're a great fucking coach. We're not half bad. So that is, you're going to have to overcome home field advantage. You're going to have to overcome the fact that, that Brian Kelly knows what he's doing. He's really, really good. Like he's, he's got a huge ego. What he did in terms of how things ended here at Cincinnati, I know rubs people the wrong way, but you know why people in Cincinnati didn't want Brian Kelly to leave? Cause he's a great fucking football coach. And he was winning. That hasn't changed. Right. So that makes it tough. I think Cincinnati has the better football team. I, I and then people get lost in this like talent thing, right? Well, Notre Dame's got more talent. Sure, but that talent hasn't played as much football as this Cincinnati talent has. Right. This is a veteran team. Yeah. Notre Dame last year, if they played last year, Yikes. Notre Dame had the veteran team. You know what I mean? Like this Notre Dame team is young and they're finding themselves and not just for this year. This is the next two to three years of Notre Dame getting onto the field right now and starting to make their legacy as the next wave. We're playing this wave at the best possible time. (laughs) Absolutely. The only thing that like, the only thing that that could be said is you might be a bit unfortunate that you're catching them in week five. Because right. now they got a lot of shit on tape. They got a lot of stuff that they've worked through. So is this the week that we see more of the 4-3 front from Trestle? For who? From Trestle. Is this the week that we actually see no, more I of the 4-3 the front? I mean, I don't think Notre Dame's trying to line up and run it at you. Or even 4-2? I mean, you might see some 4 I mean, He mixed it in. Like, he mixed it in against Indiana. That's what changed Indiana, like bullying Cincinnati, is he started. He didn't go to it like strictly, but he started mixing in a little bit more of that four down lineman stuff that 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 bottled up Indiana. That changed the momentum of the game, and then they went back to a lot of the three down stuff. But yeah, I mean, you mix it up if you're if you need to. Um, I think it'll be interesting. Like, does does Notre Dame does Tommy Reese come out wanting to run the ball like we saw Indiana do immediately? Uh, to establish that physicality, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how does Trestle respond? Does Trestle go back and look at the tape of Indiana and say, I need to have this, I need to have this bullet in my gun, maybe a little quicker. If now, this is, is, if this is what Notre Dame is showing that they want to do, um, I, we'll see. I mean, that, that this chess match is again, when you have two really good coaching staffs, we've been like, we're talk. Dave and I are going to go nuts talking Wednesday about the, all the different if, if they do this, who does that? If they if UC does this, what does Notre Dame do? If Notre Dame does this, how does UC counter? Which right. brings me to my next question. Is there anybody on the team for Notre Dame that could be ejected from the game and Brian Kelly's son comes in and becomes the scapegoat for the game? I don't think I don't think Brian Kelly's kid is on the team. So Damn. I think I think I think we're catching a break there. How, how can you imagine being his kid and coming back home after listening to that press conference where he was, you know, yeah. our team, like Micah McFadden is our entire team and, and my son sucked ass. We lost. <laughs> With we a lost straw. To, we, we, we lost because I had to put my son in the game. Oh, Jesus, man. Dad, go Thank- fuck yourself. Thanksgiving's going to be awkward in that house. It's going to be very awkward. <laughs> very awkward. I, I'm going to bring up one other thing. Uh, quarterback. You just said that. Uh, Mike, what, Mike McFadden's what? actually at their Thanksgiving dinner in place of his yeah. Son. <laughs> his son is sitting outside at like the like the the you know it's like four degrees in Bloomington. He's McFadden's sitting outside ca- carving the turkey, <laughs> right? He's got the electric knife. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate that. But okay, quarterback Jack Cohn. Supposedly, if he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. They've got obviously you saw the the backup last week against against Wisconsin. I hope Jack Cohn's the starter. Right. But the other guy was better. I mean, yeah, I Drew Pine was showing the ability to get the ball out quick. He orchestrated that one drive. But I mean, in the end, I'm sure there's a reason why Jack Cohn is the starter over Drew Pine. But then they've got another quarterback who is a is a freshman, Tyler Buckner, or or Buchner. I haven't really heard anyone really give me the exact pronunciation, but he's more of a dual threat. He had 68 rushing yards against Toledo. Uh, also had, you know, he went three for three, 78 yards and a touchdown. And Brian Kelly said, said that he's going to play as well, be more of a factor in this game. Do you think that change of pace of a, of a rushing scrambling quarterback is going to be something that the defense really needs to key in on? Or do you think it's going to be Jack Cohn and, and making sure that you do no matter, do anything you can to, completely demolished Jack Cohn. Do you really think Brian Kelly is going to intentionally play a freshman quarterback against this defense? I'm, I'm just saying he, he was, I, like, I know it, especially you know, for I, spe- know, I know what he says in a press conference, right? Do you really think there's a part of the game plan where Brian Kelly's like, he's, he's going to get four series and you get one series each quarter. And we're Absolutely not. If the wrinkle is supposed to be that he's a scrambling quarterback, what kind of quarterback do these guys go against every single day in practice? That's not going to be first and second team. That's not going to be a wrinkle. So it for me, it's kind of like the the Tony Pike thing, which Jack Cohn is not Tony Pike, and a Zach Kolaros thing, which who knows how good this this Buckner is going to be, but still. I don't know. It, it's something that the entire Notre Dame fan base is, is begging to get more Tyler Buckner. And I don't know if this will be a situation for that to arise, but yet again, against this defense, 
I would love to see a freshman come out on the field and try and lead this Irish team to a victory. I, I think it'll be fascinating to see what what Conan and, and the quarterback committee could really do. They well, say we're going to know more tomorrow on Cone. Right. On whether he's going to, you know, whether he's likely to be available or not. So if Cincinnati beats Cone, just wait until after he was that hurt. game. Yeah. Wait until after that game to hear what the Notre Dame fans are saying yeah. at that point. Cone was sacked six times against Toledo. He's no Micah McFadden. <laughs> just I can't I can't stop picturing him cutting that turkey and just smiling <laughs> at, at, at Alan's son and, just shivering out in the cold. Like like Alan's son is at the table and McFadden comes in and he's like, Hey, you lost. Get out. Go outside. Outside. Go Kitty open table. the table. He's at open. the kitty table with like the nieces and nephews <laughs> with the plastic utensils. And then he and then he looks over and and, and Tom <laughs> Allen and, and McFadden are pulling the wishbone apart yeah. together wearing matching sweaters with with a big he's, smile and a big hug he's like love you dad and tom allen's like keep it down <laughs> micah's saying grace do you remember the cincinnati game go to your room love each other not well not you but him amen amen aaron this will be your we've gotten so much mileage out of the indiana game I mean, it's the last thing we've gotten for, for two know. weeks. But, I mean, that there still has to be content for you to get content out of it. Oh, for sure. Look, this is all Tom Allen's fault. We aren't even having this conversation if he doesn't shit on his own son publicly. Yeah. I mean. I think he's calling McFadden Jesus now. Aye, aye, aye. Well, it's going to be a thriller. It's going to be a thriller. <laughs> Gonna be a thriller come this Saturday. Um, I don't know. A lot more to break down. Chad, you and Dave will break it down. I'll give my 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 keys to the game type right up again. And and you know what? I I think it's gonna be a very interesting a thing to see. If yeah, I I you know I can't stop thinking about how bad of a game Notre Dame versus Wisconsin was for three quarters. It was yeah. it was horrible. It's awful. No, I neither offenses could get anything quarter. going. I just I hope missed that we... both pick sixes. I saw the touch, the, the kick return touchdown. I missed both pick sixes because that game put me to sleep. That I hope... Kelly was home and I hadn't slept for three weeks. So I hope I no thought, one's I having these types of conversations about our game to where, like, well, for three quarters, you could have just not watched. Well, Toledo was leading in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, they're going to get a Purdue. little bit more for this game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Things are going great for Jeff Brom and PJ Fleck right now. Yeah, I, I said something along the lines of it. I think it's about time to tow the boat. Oh, the boat. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Print the shirts, tow the boat. <laughs> I like it as well. Anyway, so. Uh, well, yeah, because questions. you came up with it. Of course you fucking like it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Aaron, anything more on the game? Because you probably won't have any. Thing else before your prediction? We'll have the, the prediction article. The prediction, yeah. Transition. Okay. So, no, you don't have anything else until the prediction article? I'm good until the prediction article. All right. Well, I, I can't wait to see the hot the hot press you got on that one, brother. Anyway, so uh, basketball. Uh, Chad, you guys already touched on the Daniel Skillings thing. That was an, an awesome, awesome signing. Uh, very Excited, obviously, to get him into the fold. Um, 
Is there anything else kind of still in the works? I mean, obviously, when you offer a a five star top ten player, and then he's got a point guard as well that seems that would fit pretty well in the in the West Miller scheme that has a direct connection to the Bearcats and, and the staff. It seems like that's also a pretty good thing. Um, I don't know. Seems like things are rolling rolling pretty pretty smoothly right now for the well, basketball well, team. While we've been podcasting, uh, Brett Stein dropped a little a little Stein bomb. Oh, a little Steinbaum. A little Steinbaum. I kind of like Steinbaum. Wow. R- rhymes with Feinbaum, and I hate that guy. We got to get that Steinbaum thing going. And and also, if you follow the team or the or the players on, on social media, it was it was pretty cool to see Abdullah Doe post saying, know how they always say the grass ain't greener on the other side? He said, they effing lied. So I think... Abdullah Doe is pretty happy and excited for what the team is going to be bringing. The uh, the entire schedule came out or, or out of conference schedule came out. Seems like it's uh lines up for a chance for the team to really get off to a hot start and, and figure out what they have leading into conference play as well. So anything else on the basketball front before we dive into this? Well, I haven't uh, even gotten into bag. the Steinbaum. Yeah. Well, let's hear the Steinbaum. Josh Reed, who visited this weekend. Yep. Is announcing on Friday. On Friday, that is a sign bomb and a half right there. He has visited UC South Carolina, Boston College, and Northwestern. He is a very smart young man. Like, like, smarter than the three of us combined. I talked to him at the Under Armour finals. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. You're you're a little out of my league. You said he's uh, considering West Virginia? UC, South Carolina, Boston College, Northwestern. 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 That's that's what it was. Did he not do a Butler visit? He did not take his Butler visit, and he's announcing Friday, so that would seem to indicate that Butler is out. Uh, I would say it's usually a good sign when a kid announces his commitment uh, the week of your visit, but that didn't work out great for NC State, so I won't get out over my skis here. (laughs) Um, But Brett talked to him and his dad tonight. And we'll have a uh, story up uh, in the morning on Bearcat Journal. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I I like Josh Reed a lot. I think he is kind of the quintessential like hybrid forward. Um, He can shoot it. He can handle it a little. He's uh, if you remember back in the summer, I compared his the way he plays defense is similar to like how I had how Jaron played defense. He's not the most physically gifted defender. Now they're different players, right? But he's not the most physic. He's not laterally quick. He's not super bouncy. But he's got great basketball IQ, great instincts. He under- understands passing lanes and leverage. And um, I do think, like, as he develops, he can be a guy that could be a really good starter, six man, seventh man type guy as uh, an offensive spark off the bench. Cause he can, he can really play offense. Um, we've talked about with Wes, you know, defense is going to be key. Uh, he doesn't necessarily fit that like long springy press you athletic type, but the closer you play him, like if you play him at the four, you can, you can survive in a pressing system with Josh Reed at the four. Um, and he's got the offensive skills to play the three. So we'll see. Um, I'm interested. I, I haven't been able to talk to Brett because we have been uh, recording this podcast since he got off the phone with the uh, 
with the Reed family. But uh, once we get done here, I'll be uh, working the phones and, and trying to gather some more information. And he, he very clearly, as well as, as someone that can be on the court with Daniel Skillings at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Daniel Skillings is a two. Yep. I mean, you can, you know, you can play Skillings at the three, right. but really he's closer to a, a one than he is a three, if that makes sense. So, um, like, I, yeah, you could absolutely play Josh Reed and Daniel Skillings together. And, in fact, I love the combination, especially offensively, because I think they complement each other pretty well. Um, they both can shoot it. They both got some handle. They can straight line drive off a pump fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they could stretch the floor on opposite sides. Uh, I think you could play. I think you could be really dangerous in pick and roll with Skillings and, and Josh Reed and be really creative off of that offensively. So, yeah, they, they can play together. I don't think there's any question in my mind about that. Did you happen to see what Mike Woodson probably – accidentally should not have said at the IU basketball media days today. Yeah. I've known about it. Yeah. So <laughs> now that he's made it public, <laughs> is it something I mean, that I don't, I don't know that I'm still allowed to talk, but it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Cincinnati and Indiana are according, according to Mike Woodson, Mike Woodson, Mike Woodson, the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers, according to Mike Woodson, Cincinnati and Indiana, will partake in a super secret scrimmage. Uh, I believe at Indiana probably uh, before the start of the season. We're like do you think weeks. The, do you the see, se- practice starts tomorrow. <laughs> do you think that when that got announced, it was much like that situation where the Alabama player was talking about the Dean's yeah. nuts jokes with yeah. Nick Saban and the, you know, the, the, their cause comes out like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 also Alabama when when Quinn Williams was asked about if he's afraid of Kyler Murray, he said, "No, we're not afraid of Kyler Murray." And then he just tailed off a little bit and then just stopped talking after that. He said, "Oh, next question." But no, I I, I mean <laughs> um, I had to lol. I, I, yeah, I, 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 it's not that big of a deal. Like no. it's a big deal because it's like secondary violation stuff where like it has to get reported because you talked about something that you weren't supposed to talk about. It's dumb as shit. There's no reason. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to talk about a scrimmage that happens before the season. You're you're not letting fans in. You're not selling tickets. Nobody's profiting profiting off of it. Which, by the way, during COVID. Yeah, why the hell can't we just talk about it? During COVID, that's probably better for everyone anyway. Right. Why, Why can I not call my sources my sources tell me what's happening. Right. And I can talk about it. what, right. what the hell is the problem with that? It's stupid. I, I do need to read this, this uh, Dustin Dopirak uh, uh, tweet. Cause it's pretty funny. So Woodson says they're going to scrimmage Cincinnati in a team in Louisville, Kentucky, which <laughs> by that, I think he means Bellerman. I'm sure. not sure if he was supposed to say this, but it is media day. So and obviously, Mike Woodson, first-year head coach, probably did not even think twice about saying that out loud. So it was a, uh, a funny thing to come across on the timeline today. I think there will be another super-secret scrimmage. I think it will involve a state university, but maybe Ooh. not the state university, okay. maybe just a Ooh. 
State University. Dive into that first. Some of us consider the state university a state university anyway. <laughs> I'm just giving hints. Not not too hard to read between those lines. But uh, anything else before we jump into this mailbag, guys? I actually have a basketball thing to talk about. Yes. Believe it or not. Hopefully we, next week, hopefully we can really start diving on basketball because practice starts tomorrow. Get the like nuts tomorrow, and The 28th. So, so Chad was on my other podcast pardon the punctuation maybe and our we podcast, had your other podcast our podcast maybe well, we're fit we're figuring that all out but we I'm still talked, waiting for my invite on that by the way we, we talked at length about nil and we had a very open and honest conversation and i think we answered damn near every like first question that you would think of in a in a 30 minute conversation on nil so if that's something that you're interested in if that's something that you have questions about um chad was was kind of on one and answering any and all questions candidly so uh it it was kind of your uh i think people mistook that well i'm just saying i I think it was kind of no 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 no. i i'm I'm saying i think people mistook my stance on that the like i i'm not anti-bagman all i'm saying is if bagmans are okay then you got to figure out a needs to be okay. Right. needs to be okay. That's all I like. That's the message. I wasn't that like this school or that school is bad because now like, you know, they're doing something that nobody else is doing. No, 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 no. It's just figuring out how to legally drop the bag and how to make sure that whatever McDonald's bag or, or duffel bag is, is getting dropped that you're, you don't even need like a right way. You don't need a secret. Con- you don't need a secretly concealed vehicle to drop the bag anymore. You just put the bag on the table and you say, that's your bag if you want it. But we, we that's had- all I was getting. I think just people, I think people misunderstood where I was going with when I, when I ma- had that conversation, because it, it wasn't about this school or that school, like doing things wrong. Cause there's no wrong anymore. Right. And like Every, I said, we- it's right. It's, we, it's legal. It's it's out in the open now. We figure it out or get left behind. We discussed it for about 30 minutes. If you hop on the YouTube, there are timestamps to where you can just click and hear just the NIL stuff. Um, but that's uh, just something that we're bringing to you there. Also, you can see Chad in all of his glory just being Chad. So I had a lot going on. No, I'm just week. we we I'm used to seeing you on the you know, on the zoom on the you know, just whatever format we're, we're generally speaking on. But for those who don't normally get to see you just being Chad at your finest, uh, you know, th- there is Chad being Chad on, on the YouTube. I'm passionate. That's, that's a uh, part in the punctuation. You can find it just simply YouTube search. And maybe someday you can find it here. I don't know. We'll see. There we go. Like I said, just, <laughs> just waiting for my invite on the pod, but anyway, so, you have a wedding like it's about yeah you got a you got a wedding to go to (laughs) yeah i know this saturday as well it's it's a bummer but anyway so so now i think there's no better time for us to open up the bvp mailbag there's so much let's dive right i mean i i don't have answers to a lot of this right now so we'll, we'll work through it all the same um as we start out here and just refresh just to make sure uh first time visiting notre dame Chad, have you been to Notre Dame? Nope. Brent, you've been to Notre Dame? Yes. All right. 
what are the must-do things, including food spots, at Notre Dame? See, that I don't know too much about, but I would suggest getting a soft pretzel in Notre Dame football stadium. I had two of them. They were phenomenal. They are just very soft, very, oh, they're so good. Kind of like an Auntie Anne soft pretzel. But, yes, of course, you, you want to check out the tailgate. That's going to be the most important thing, kind of like it always is um, when it comes to football. I, I mean, it's South Bend we're talking about. There's really not too much to do there in South Bend. But um, so what, the tailgate field, obviously, Joyce Lot. That's going to be really where it is. Take a look at Touchdown Jesus. Uh, go to the Grotto if you want. But along those lines, it's going to be a lot of game day stuff. And after that, just find a local uh, local watering hole and and uh, go ahead and, and, and amp yourself up, uh, pump yourself up after a big one. All right, next question. Anything from Reese Mooney after his visit? Anything from coaches watching IMG play? Anything from coaches being on the road during the bye week? Who are developing as the leading targets for 2023? The last class moved fast. This class seems to be going faster. Can't wait until signing day. Any more to start talking 2023? Thanks. Of course, it's Bearcat, no. or Bearcat Nation 11, who my coverage He's asked is the ne- same question 30 times. <laughs> I was going to say, my coverage is never quite enough. Never. Um, but... <laughs> Reese Mooney has been a little evasive. Of course, that doesn't change in the positive light at all when he does get injured, as most kids are a little reluctant to respond to anything after they get injured. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see as far as that goes. I haven't heard anything on IMG. I don't know if you have, Chad. Um, and as far as coaches on the MG, road. I mean, they. I don't even know that. They, I think they have one coach, one assistant at the game. And okay. they didn't, they weren't allowed to go out because it was in August. Uh, I don't think they were allowed even to go out to see them at camp. It was right at the beginning of like end of August, beginning of September. I don't think they were technically allowed to go out to higher ground to watch them. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it was, it, it, yes, they were impressed with the talent at IMG. Who wouldn't? Uh, I, I'll go out on a limb. That's my, uh, that's my breakdown on that. <laughs> Uh, they would like to land players from IMG Academy. Um, As was that. We're, we're working on Ohio it. I promise, I promise we're not holding back information just to upset you. And so keep I, asking and the, we'll the, do the, what we can. I will say that the kids, especially juniors, are a bit more evasive than the, the seniors. And even some of the seniors, I, they're still maybe two or three that I've talked to once or twice ever in this class and they they continue to be what chad likes to call my white whales so i I have a couple of them now and we're we're doing the best we can i promise and Um, you might you might be reeling one of them in you might see i don't i don't uh, i'm not don't want to jinx it we're not not trying to get excited not trying to get excited say who you might be you might be reeling in one of your white whales as we're getting uh, to the point like we're getting to the point now man there are so many sites and there are so many people claiming to be media and there are so many people trying to hit these kids up that like, I've got a guy that, that's a national writer for rivals that tags me in his stories to get me to, to link to his articles. You work for the competition, bro. <laughs> that's not happening. I'm not linking to your stuff, but these kids just get assaulted. With people in their DMs, with people trying to talk to them. And a lot of them, some of them love it. Some of them cherish it, relish, like roll around in it. Others are like, leave me alone, man. And that hurts. 
what I'm what I'm finding more like us sometimes. What I'm finding more this year than apparently years past is that a lot of these kids have to go through their phones through their parents. And yeah. that's that's something new. You know and, why? Because things are crazy right now because of people hounding them. Right. I mean, you when you're getting assaulted with text messages all day long from outlets, you know, I mean, it literally is is kind of becoming like they have to know who I am first and that has to come from certain places. So it's, it's and just, then you got to you got to get to know the parents and the parents are crazy and then like it's it's a process right now. It is it is evolved into something I never really like I guess I should have seen it coming, but something like social media has evolved this into something that is brutal because they they just they don't want they don't want to do it they don't want to deal with i mean like you're talking ohio state right ohio state there's like 13 sites that cover ohio state so that means just from one school alone they got like 10 people trying to contact them to get the latest scoop from that school michigan has that you know michigan state has quite a few indiana like we used to talk we used to joke when remember the uh brent i don't know if you were you might have probably still been in high school age or so for this when the uh, Adidas May Classic was in Bloomington. Okay. And they would have, like, they would purposely try to schedule. This is before circuits, before the shoe circuits, right? Right. So pretty much, like, there were teams that were affiliated, but they weren't, like, there wasn't like circuits to play on. So they were playing at these events all over the country. Right. So the Adidas May Classic would have as many IU targets as they could get every year. And they would have those kids play one or two of their games at the event at Assembly Hall. Right. Inside Assembly Hall at center court. I remember those highlights. Yeah. And when the game would end, there would be – 50 IU people, all the TV stations, all the radio stations, the newspapers, every IU outlet. That's what's now happening in the DMs (laughs) and on these kids' phones. Right. Is that there's 50, 60, 70 people trying to get in touch with them. Twitter. So we're and here's the here's the other problem we run into. I don't like presenting one-sided information. Mm-hmm. I can get information from the UC side all day long. It's right. what we do. But if you can't verify, then you're not doing our members a, a, a service to right. tell them half of what's going on. And, you know, we do our best to navigate that. We still try to get information out there, but like, it's, it's tough, man. As for it's the, tough uh... in these streets. As, as for the leading targets for 2023, there's it's it's far too early to to really tell you who the leading targets are. There's there's lots of targets and it continues. We haven't even gotten to signing day and junior days. And like, yes, they're a little bit farther out because they've got two commits than they have been in the past. But relax the one kid, on the one kid's not even relax. rated yet. You know what I mean? Like he's not even Rel- rated right. Yet. Relax. And he's Aaron. not gonna be because he's hurt. He's not playing this right. year. Aaron, Aaron, real quick, tell us, tell, tell us about Jason Hewlett Jr. Uh, Jason Hewlett, he good kid. I enjoy talking to him. Six to two hundred pounds as a sixteen-year-old. Yes, sir. Sign me up. 
Yep. Um, I will say that he's a little more cocky than than some of the kids that I talk to, and I find that in a commit endearing personally. Um, I don't know how other people feel about that, but um, he he seemed at the end of the day like he was cocky to a point, but he was still humble about it. And he he reeled it back in, especially with one quote that kind of stuck out to me, where he said, "I don't care if it's two plays or if it's the whole game. I just want to be ready when my number's called." But then he did continue to mention, I want championships. I want to win, et cetera, et cetera. So he said all the things that you want to hear from a kid too. So um, staff was after him pretty hard, right? He's a defensive athlete. Again, he, he is currently injured. He's not going to play the rest of the season. Um, as for the extent of that injury or what that injury is, um, I'm, I, I truly don't know. Um, that's not something that I dive in on because that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. But um, as for, uh, Obviously, he's got a very large frame. Um, they're bringing him in as a defensive athlete slash sniper. Uh, so they do want to have him in that sniper type role or or somewhere between their safety and, and linebacker, somewhere in that vicinity. But at that size, you know, you put on the weight and uh, we've, we've seen beavers in kind of that same type of frame, but we've right. also seen safeties in that same type of frame. So we'll, we'll see. Beavers didn't look like that coming out of high school. No, dude. he didn't, but no, who He's knows 180 in all fairness, who knows what this kid looks like. Right. After the coming injury. out of high school. Well, He's still after, not coming out of high school, but after the injury, he's, he's still got yeah. another year to put some weight on and we'll see what, how that goes, but we'll see. So next question, we spent a long time on that question. How do you see our offensive line matching up against Notre Dame's front seven and which players along their front seven will be important to neutralize? I know we touched on that a bit, but I don't know. That it's, got quite that it's, it's, it's very important. Very important. I, I mean, arguably Notre Dame's best defensive lineman was out in the game against Wisconsin. Uh, Kurt, Kurt Hennish or Heinish, I think that he's probably going to be back. I think he had like a, con- a concussion, so he was just in c- concussion protocol. But, I mean, they've just got a deep and talented defensive line and one that's really getting better week in and week out. That that Jason, I'm going to butcher his name, Adia Milola, he is, uh, he's a big-time player. He, he looks like a pro out on the field. And then his brother, I would imagine, because they have the same last name, first name Justin, he's kind of that that rover, plays that uh, – that they call it Viper there plays that kind of sniper position as well. And he's huge. I think um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a task slowing down their defensive line. I, I think Indiana gave, gave them a really good look, but I mean, this, this defense, they, I think they have the second most or third most sacks in the country through uh, the first four games. And they, and that leads to turnovers as well. They've been over to, been able to turn over their opponent quite a lot as well. I think they're second in the country and turnovers forced, which sounds a lot like a Marcus Freeman defense. So offensive line's got to be locked in from the get-go. Um, and Aaron, like you said, got to be a quick start as well for the offense, for the Bearcats. I'll be completely honest. I haven't researched their front seven yeah. anywhere near to the I mean, it's good. And, and, and Freeman did something as well where he like played one linebacker a bunch against a passing attack of, of Purdue. Um, and then he, he played Jack Kaiser, who's more of a run stopper against Wisconsin a bunch and didn't play the other linebacker really at all against Wisconsin. So it would be interesting to see, like we mentioned, just how Freeman attacks the offense, especially Des Ritter and, and what everything they're going to bring. Chad, anything to add on the front seven for Notre no, Dame? Like I said, I, I haven't. I mean, I, I'm familiar with a lot some of the stuff that Brent I'm, just said, but I haven't really 
had time. Dive they, they were playing extremely aggressive and confident towards the end of that Wisconsin. And that, that's why, that, again, going back to that double-edged sword, you know, they're, they're coming in kind of with a little bit of momentum on their side. And yeah, that's what happens when you win a game, but you don't get to play a top 10 team but in the was, nation if they don't win also that game. against Graham Mertz, who has not figured out college football yet. So bold statement. Uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, looking back with Freeman making the lateral move from Purdue DC to our DC. What do you guys think a floor and ceiling are in terms of his job in 2021 would have been had he stayed at Purdue? Well, I what? mean, basically if he stayed at Purdue, <laughs> if he, he if couldn't he... stay at Purdue, the coach got fired. Right. Well, I, I mean, I truly don't think he'd still be at Purdue. Maybe, maybe they meant no, if he stayed I mean, at Cincinnati. No, they meant if like he had stayed at Purdue and didn't go to Cincinnati, what would his career trajectory have looked like? But Hazel Purdue was fired. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, he, they didn't retain him at Purdue. It wasn't like he had a choice and came to Cincinnati. He didn't have a job when Luke Fickle hired him. So I, I, I don't know what, like, I, that's, I mean, that said he very well could honestly be well, at here's, but, but he, I'm, he could be at Cincinnati. He could also be at Ohio state. Right. The problem with Purdue is nobody that coaches at Purdue has a bright future. <laughs> Daryl Hazel, look him up and tell me that hat style is not bussing bussing. And I tell you what, Look at that hat. Dude, I love that he just used that punch you that in the phrase, throat. That, bussin that phrase. Bussin. That phrase. <laughs> Who do you think is starting at left tackle? We did dive into that quite a bit earlier in the pod tonight. Um, live in, visit, never visit again, aka a fuck Mary kill, but for cities, Bloomington, South Bend, and Oxford. Personally, I've only been to one of those towns. And that's Oxford, okay. as my aunt and uncle own like seven businesses in Oxford. But so, what, so what are you doing to Oxford? Then? I mean, I'm I'd, I'd probably I'd, I'd live there and never have to pay for a meal or a oh, beer. There you go. I'm I'm uh, I'm living in Bloomington, and I'm not going to leave the college part of Bloomington. I'm going to live literally on like right next to campus. He's so, going to live in a dorm. Yeah, he's moving into. I a could dorm. I could he's live moving there. back into his college dorm. I could live there forever. That place is phenomenal. But anyway, um, and, and I'll just say I'm in law school until I'm like 60. And then they'll be like, you aren't in law school. And I'll be like, that ah, place you, is phenomenal. That place is phenomenal. Is something no UC fan said after going well, to that. Yeah, I mean, because, because Memorial Stadium was good. Why you warn everybody? Look, you knew that place was a dump. I blame you for not warning I'm... everybody. That place was a dump. I tell you what, I've only been there like, what, three times? And I tell you what. <laughs> I, I was there, but I wasn't really there. Let's put it that way. But he anyway. was at the tailgate, Aaron. We covered this a couple weeks ago. Yep, that's where he wants to live. Tailgate's fun. Yes, and then I'm going to visit Notre Dame, uh, South Bend, just because I'll you know go to a game here and there. And then I'm going to kill Oxford. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kill Oxford. I mean, I think it had its heyday, but I think that heyday has passed. It's 2021. That that place is still in like 2005. 
Right. Like 2005. I'm not going to lie. I went up that was, there. And had that was my fun. heyday, man. <laughs> right. I went up there and had some fun in 2005. I, I'm not. You know. What's what's the name of that one bar there? You 18 and over? Pachinkos? With the X's? I, I forget it. Only, well, only been once, but I can tell you. Um, my aunt and uncle own like Pachinkos. They own um, New Bar, which is also called The Woods, but most of the people who live on campus call it New Bar. Um, they own the the uh, the the ox or something like that. The smoking ox in the one corner. They own um, the red red door bar in the other corner, and they also own the uh, the old roller rink slash the old uh, uh, realtor spot, which is now a a bar. I can't remember the name of it. And then they they opened up a, a pizza joint. So so Aaron, December first. What are you doing? I don't make plans that far. December 1st, you will be going to that Miami of Ohio basketball game and showing me a time after the game. Yes, I'm in on that for sure. If you don't have a wedding. (laughs) Luckily, I don't think they extend all the way to December. He has a wedding. He just has to leave during like halftime to make it. Yeah, he's got to go at halftime to to get to the wedding. Um, I, I would. Nobody wants to live in South Bend. No, I don't even think the people that live in South Bend want to live in South Bend. Oh, so, so little, little inside uh, inside information there. And then I, I guess I would live in Bloomington because I, I do dig the college town vibe of Bloomington. Yeah. Um, that I yeah. like the re- like. There's a pretty good food scene. There's a pretty good little bar scene in Bloomington. Um, I used to think that about Oxford, but nobody ever talks about like going up to Oxford anymore. Maybe because my aunt and uncle took over. <laughs> I'm not saying I like take me up there. That's fine. We can go up there anytime you want. Give, give me some grub at your aunt and uncle's places. And if you change my opinion on Oxford, then that's fine. I'm fair. Any anytime you want. December first, Cincinnati <laughs> at Miami. Yeah, we'll get we'll get media passes to that that December first trip. Game and we'll all go. I can't imagine Oxford's gonna be like, no, you can only bring one person. There, I can't there. imagine Miami's gonna limit. Media credentials. Right. All right. So what do we know about the officials for this Notre Dame game? Nothing. Is, is UC providing them from the AAC or is Notre Dame supplying them from presumably the ACC? And when conferences supply officials for a non-conference game, are they supplied at random from the league's approved list or do premier games get really good officials? Every game is different based on contract. So that's like asking, like, why a kid picked a school. Uh, every situation is different. So I haven't seen this contract. I, I don't know. I'll see if I can find out maybe tomorrow and have an answer for you on uh, on the BCJ pod Wednesday. But that's not something I ever really check. Um, I think, you know, none of that none of that matters. The question is, are the officials Catholic or not? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what I, league they work, right? Quick, quick story about that. I, I went to Cathedral High School, and there was in, in freshman football, we had a uh, kind of got to just pick your own your own officials, and we were playing Ben Davis. If you know that name, they're a big time school. We're Cathedral High big School, big baby. We are Cathedral High School. We are the Cathedral Fighting Irish, quite like Notre Dame. We had officials where the final play of the game, their running back went all the way into the end zone. And then was pushed back out by the defense. 
The officials said that he didn't cross the goal line and then sprinted off the field. Little, little to know, they are in our locker room hiding from the Ben Davis team. So, yes, Chad, I agree with your sentiment on the uh, officials. I mean, if you've got a, a host of Catholic officials at a Notre Dame game, <laughs> it's not great. Like, you know, they were they were at touchdown Jesus before the game. Like, you know, they were at the grotto. It, it's right. not it's not it's not ideal. No. <laughs> you totally didn't catch my big baby Ben Davis Boston Celtics. No, we no. did. It just wasn't funny. That's fine. What places are better to live in than South Bend? Detroit, Kabul, Juarez? Follow-up question. <laughs> is BCJ were to remake the classic Three Men and a Baby, who plays what role, and why is Aaron the ghost of the production member who died? I remember the, the story of the ghost in the little corner of Three Men and a Baby. Um, why, why is he always killing me? <laughs> I mean, I guess I would probably be Steve Gutenberg. Like he was more of the like sarcastic, you know, love, you know, I think that would probably be more my role. Uh, who's probably, who's Tom probably, Selleck and who's Ted Danson here of you two? I'd probably be the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm Brent, suave enough to pull off yeah. Ted Danson. Brent. Brent, you got you got Tom Selleck written all over you. You're, you're, you're Tom Selleck with a stash. Bring me right? Tom Selleck. I'll take it. I'll take in my it. in my heyday, Turd Ferguson. In my heyday, I could have pulled off Ted Danson, but I, I think I've I've graduated past that. Ted Danson's like 83 and still pulling off Ted Danson. And I again, I, I've graduated. <laughs> I'm no longer there. I, I think I'm definitely Steve Gutenberg, though. Better places to live than South Bend. Um, all of them anywhere not, not in just not in indiana keep me out of indiana except for the the legalized gambling uh was someone playing online poker during the interview with cunningham so i already I recognized that it's, it's it's something with my mic that makes like the sound of chips shuffling and you can't hear it live but if you listen back to the podcast every now and again my mic makes this sound that is the perfect noise Mm-hmm. of someone like you know how they shuffling at the poker chips. table they shuffle chips yeah and like fold them into each other it's the per it sounds exactly like it bro <laughs> like when we first started doing all the zoom stuff like Browering was the first one to notice it on the skinny podcast and he's like what are you doing and i'm like i'm sitting here talking into my mic i'm not doing anything i don't know what you're talking about right so i couldn't locate it and then there was a podcast i did like a couple weeks later and i heard it as I was producing it and I'm like, holy shit, that sounds exactly like somebody shuffling chips. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't have any chips. I think honestly, like I'm fidgety. If I had chips, I would be just sitting here shuffling chips the whole podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that would soothe me and keep me from like getting hyper. Like I tend to do. Right. Uh, but I don't, I don't have chips laying around. I think I've got it like a, I think a buddy of mine's wedding, I'm sure Brent has like 15 of these, right. a buddy of mine's <laughs> wedding. They gave us like a, like a case of like poker chips, oh, like yeah. deck of cards, full right. set of poker chips. Um, those are downstairs in a box somewhere. I think from our previous move, maybe I'll go find them and I'll just start shuffling poker chips during the podcast so that just, it just for like, fun. But, well then, then when that happens with the mic, it just sounds normal because I've just been sitting here shuffling poker chips the entire time. 
All right. So do you think Freeman primarily goes with the three-man front against us to get more speed on the field to contain Ritter outside and restrict the perimeter? Or do you think he goes to a four-man to hopefully negate the run and get more pressure? We talked about that. I, I think that's a fascinating question. I have no idea which way he goes. Does he come at Ritter? Does he himself? stay in contain? Like, does he overthink himself one way or the other and get away from what he does well to go? Like, here's the thing I think that's interesting with Marcus that I think is, is relevant to this question. We didn't see really the variation of the Freeman defense until like 2019, right? Right. Where he, he felt confident enough. Right. Well, not even that because he just didn't have them trained enough to be as versatile as they were. Like they had to, done. sure. Yeah. So like as the, as time went by, he was able to add layers and layers and layers and layers because he was somewhere coaching the defense for four years. Is this Notre Dame defense really just ready for Marcus Freeman to come in and be like, all right, switching it up? I don't know that they are. I think in the beginning stages, they're in game five of the Marcus Freeman era. I don't think he has those soldiers trained enough to be able to put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Well, and even if he knows what's coming, it doesn't mean that he's got them on the field ready to right, recognize. That's what I mean. That's what coming. I mean. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I've got, I've got a quick question kind of on the lines of this. So obviously the, the bend, but don't break thing was, was, was kind of a synonymous with, with some Marcus Freeman games, especially, you know, that, that UCF game comes to mind at nip at night. Um, Cincinnati in the red zone. It, sometimes it seems like the offense struggles to kind of, kind of punch it in inside of the five different things of that sort. Do you think that, it's going to be that approach as well of a bend, but don't break and really boa constrict inside of the red zone. Or I, I mean, I don't know. I think that's just another factor to think about if I'm being honest. I don't know. Just, I'm just curious to see how much they test sauce. They don't really have like, and at number one, like they don't really have, they have good wide receivers that I'm not saying they're, they're bad at wide receiver, yeah. But they don't have a Pickens. They don't have a Freifogel. They don't have yeah. – and maybe that plays to their advantage. Well, I was going to say, I, I think that you'll see Brian Kelly, who, again, with him being egomaniacal, is going to say, like, we're not going to change our offense based on who's He's covering. He's not stupid. No, uh, well, I think the, quarterback, <laughs> the, the quarterback's also not stupid. While he's not fantastic, he's also not turning the ball over at an exceptionally yeah. high rate either. Yeah, that that Kevin Austin player, they, they they're trying to make him be the number one, and and he kind of developed a little bit against Wisconsin, but I mean they've been struggling to find find the mark for a while and and things of that. They're sort. good at wide receiver. They just don't have like a, an alpha. I don't think yet. Not yet. No. And if you're looking for, it an should alpha, be Michael Mayer, luck, but yeah. Good luck finding him against Sauce. Mayer's going to be fascinating. Right. Fascinating. Is Pace big enough to handle him? Brian Cook, gonna be, is, yeah, Beavers? like it's fascinating. Does, does Beavers, Beavers is big drop enough in to the coverage? Handle him, but 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 do you keep Beavers from being a, a force in the box? Right. Like, I mean, but but he can also. We've we've seen Beavers in coverage, and he's able to be that guy. To it, it's going to be very very interesting. Yeah. Do you know how grown up I have I have become this year to not make Beavers jokes? They're, I haven't made one. They're always I don't think right I, there. They're, they're right, right there. there. 
and I, I pass on them every time because it's the professional thing to do. Proud of you. Very You're welcome, you. Darian. You're welcome, Darian. That's how much I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beavers is tired of DeBlanco stealing his balls in the scrum. So, oh Jesus, okay. is this the biggest regular season You're game? Welcome. In- You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. This- this is the biggest regular season game in program history. We, we covered that ad nauseum. Um, why can the Bengals never find the Bearcat talent in their own backyard? They don't do a good job scouting UC. Well, I'll truthfully. Just, I'll just say that straight up. Kevin Huber. They have, they have one. McNicholum. In all fairness, though. Okay. Who else have they had? Where, where the Bearcats have been drafted, there have been some reaches. What, J.K. Schaefer? I mean, he was a, he's a, he was practice, a what? Practice uh, spot. Practice yeah, so, squad walk-on. So, so I think what, what the guy on the board was saying about the, the Travis Kelsey thing was that they took Tyler they, Eifert they took in Eifert, the first so round. They didn't, need so they didn't need Kelsey. Yeah. So. Which I mean, was yeah. a, the right, the right call time. Eifert was, look, as great as Travis Kelsey has been, he did not have a dominant UC career. What I explain this to Kelsey all the time when she asked me, why was I not named after Travis? I was like, well, because you were born in 2010. And by 2010, Travis had not made a name for himself. So, so was it? He was uh, good. He was good, but he wasn't like unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like he, he was never an all-American type tight end at UC. He did and, not reach his potential here. And with Dalton over Tony Pike. Huh? Andy Dalton over Tony Pike. That's the move. Andy Dalton has been solid. Tony's arm was a disaster. Like that's that was Tony's problem. Well, but most of the guys that have made rosters have made them from the undrafted part. And who knows what happens in the undrafted part where you're getting calls left. Well, and yeah, right. but shouldn't shouldn't you? We don't know that the Bengals didn't make those calls. It's just a matter but of what shouldn't they were- you be more aggressive locally because those are the people I just don't think they've done a good job. Like I see more, I, I see as many, if not more scouts from everywhere else than I do see the Bengals. The one that I think that bothers me the most is probably Chris Moore just because he went to a division rival and he became he a special teams ace was solid, super yeah. solid. Um, outside of that, I mean like Eric Wilson, they could have looked- used. They were miserable Man. at linebacker for a long time. What if Marty would have stayed oh, in Cincinnati? Oh, Chet, Marty's problem was Marty. It wasn't. I know, talent. but Chad, you also know that not having a scouting department, you really, you know, that's you're, you're, that's the point. If you don't have a scouting department, there's your you're answer. Spending more resources that's- scouting the place that is three miles from well, your facility. I'd imagine they're sending the scouts to your powerhouse clemson and no they're just watching them on tv they're watching lsu and georgia on tv and selecting those guys well we can't even we're we're, we could probably talk about why the bengals are (laughs) are the bengals for a long time pass i'm gonna pass on this one when when are we when's the strip club one i've got good answers for this one um I'm, i'm still sifting through the uh the 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 poker chip responses and what have what, you? What um, is the best way? To what re- is the best way to reheat pizza? Air fryer. Zero question. I will air disagree. Fryer. You're wrong. That's fine because I, I, my air fryer is not big enough to hold a whole slice of pizza. It's a small air fryer. Hmm. 
It's it's small. If I was doing like one slice at a time, that's stupid. Um, I just throw it in the in the toaster oven. I got a toaster oven that can hold several yeah, slices. Yeah, that's before I had an air fryer. I did the toaster oven. I love the toaster. Wait, oven. what to- toaster oven? That is like that's not the one that you push down. No, it's it's like no, no, a toaster oven. It's, okay. it's essentially like pre an air fryer. fryer. The air fryer before the air fryer. It's I mean, an air fryer without the air. And you see, they're making ovens. Now they, they're making now they ovens make, that have air fryers. Yeah. Correct. Now they have the air fryer toaster oven combo, which I really want one. Um, Did you ever yeah. do one for the... Christmas, buddy? Is that what you want me to get you for Christmas? As a toaster oven air fryer? You won't do it. You think I Aaron, won't? Aaron, <laughs> did you? Aaron, did you ever? Do I'm, the, I'm here uh, for that. The pizza in the microwave with a cup of water in there? i don't i don't mess around with pizza in the uh, in the microwave ever with the, not with a glass ever. of water it's the, in there? It's, the, it's the rubberiest <laughs> thing you've ever eaten i hate the microwave i don't i don't i literally have used the microwave since i've been at this apartment in march i think i've used it like five times ever i the, like the main thing i use the microwave for is when i make tacos my daughter has to have like the white queso Mm-hmm. and we buy the white queso from Kroger so it's like cold in the fridge and you have to like heat it up for 30 seconds in the microwave that's what I use the microwave for I don't use the microwave for anything else I predominantly used it to melt cheese on bagels to make sandwiches sandwiches I still use the toaster oven for that right quick fix when you have COVID yeah <laughs> let's go come on uh, what's your favorite and least favorite sports analyst in any sport? Can't use Dan Horde. I don't listen to them most of the time. Like I have a uncanny ability to just block out what the analysts are saying. Mainly because usually I'm watching like things like specific, like if I'm really watching a game, I'm watching matchups, I'm watching formations, I'm watching like the stuff I need to write about. Oh. And generally the announcers don't really add to any of that mm-hmm. for me. Um, least favorite Chris Collinsworth. He's the worst. Are we talking play by play or just analysts? I don't, I don't think it matters well, either or I, I mean, I've, I enjoy a good Jim Nance. Obviously that's a very, Tony I, like, I like Jim Nance. Vern, Jim, Vern Lundquist they're not the same is pretty thing. great. No, they're not Tony the same Romo's thing. An analyst. Jim Nance I, is a play by play guy, which is why they work together. But you, I, 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 you hate think, Collinsworth. I hate Collinsworth. Okay. Do you hate like Joe Buck? No. I love Joe Buck. I like Buck's, Joe Buck. Buck's a lot. been pretty good. Yeah. I like Joe Buck a lot. Um, Vern, Vern Lundquist is great. Uh, yeah. I like a, I like a good what? Mike Breen. Um, Breen is really good. If I'm watching an NBA game, yeah, Breen, basketball Breen game. Captain, I, I like Doris Burke. I think Doris Burke is outstanding. Yeah, what's the what's what's the new guy for the Reds? Um, Sadak. I, I liked him early in the year. He graded on me as the season wore on. I've, like, I've thoroughly enjoyed him this year, and I think that's because I was so over Tom. That yeah, this I was has over a, Tom. Too. This has been a breath of fresh air. <laughs> he just got so like apologetic he, and homeristic. He, he he has a ton of dad jokes too. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind dad jokes. You've heard this podcast. True. What's your guys' thoughts on uh, Gus Johnson, real fast? I like Gus for the most part. I think he can be like I think he can. He's got he's bought into his own hype a little bit, so he can be a little try hard at times now. Right. Uh, but for the most part, I like Gus. I don't. I don't like. I, but like I said, I like. If I'm watching, like he does. Fox stuff mostly. So right. like when I come when I come across him, a lot of it is like Xavier stuff. 
Mm -hmm. I'm watching what they do and not like what the announcers are saying. Right. But that's again, I'm a different, I'm a different breed because I actually like have insight on what's what I'm supposed to be watching. Right. As opposed to watching as a fan. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's different for me than it is for most people. And I understand that that's, that's fine. Who's the guy that does the bang with the NBA? My brain. I'm in on him all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Harlan's another good one. He and is he's good. a good one. I like Harlan. Harlan's very good. Yeah, all right. Studio show, it's inside the NBA. Yeah. Like the TNT just, NBA oh, yeah. show, oh, is, that, that's the best show. Barkley and J- yeah. yeah. Just It truly doesn't get worse for me than, than Chris Collinsworth. I just want to make sure that that's very apparent. You made it apparent. All right. Do you see? It. Do you see that the DJ Matthews injury as hurtful or helpful to see playoff oh. cause? Example: They would have won more games with him, or would the narrative be that they weren't even they weren't that good even with him? Well, the thing was that he was going to create opportunities for Ty Freifogel because as defenses learned, they had to adjust to DJ Matthews. Ty Freifogel was going to become much more of a factor for Indiana. Mm-hmm. So without DJ Matthews, then defenses are going to go back to playing, you know, safety help on Fry Fogel, and things are going to be really, really rough for him. So, uh, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't, that's in no way, shape, or form good for Indiana because their offense is struggling. They can't run the ball, they can't protect Penix, and now they lost that guy that is their playmaker in space. And that damages their ability to be effective on offense. And their schedule over the next month is brutal, maybe as brutal as anybody in the country. So that's uh, that's not a good one for Indiana in terms of they might finish last in the Big Ten East. Like they with that injury, they might legit finish last in the Big Ten East. God forbid something happens to Mike and McFadden. They might finish last in the FCS. And also at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I think they, I think they uh, force fed Fryfogel quite a lot, like something like what nineteen targets or something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> so when did Matthews get hurt in that game, Brent? Do you know? I, I don't know. I uh, I caught the it was second an ACL. Half. So whenever it caught happened, the second half and he was already out, but yeah, so it happened early. They had to force. That's the problem, right? Right now, all they've got is Fryfogel. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a that's a recipe for disaster for Indiana. That's that's bad news for them. Yeah. All right, Chad, you're a bar soul guy. So in honor of Dave Portnoy coming out with his own frozen pizza, what's everyone's favorite frozen pizza? Mine's easy. Screaming Sicilian. Wow. It is phenomenal. And they have multiple styles. They have multiple flavors. Um, I love to stick with the air fryer theme. They have an individual that fits in my air fryer that cooks in like eight minutes and it is outstanding. I like their crust. I like their sauce. Um, Screaming Sicilian is by far my number one. I like um, Motor City Pizza Company. They do like a Detroit style that I really like. That one's good. Yeah. Um, I like Sicilian, like Adriatico Sicilian style. The thicker and Detroit style is very similar to Sicilian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Motor City, and then uh, my number three would probably be Lotsa Matza. 
that like just all they, that pile, they pile fresh mozzarella on top of pepperoni <laughs> pizza. Right. Um, so, those, would, you, those would probably be my top three. But you did try the one bite. I don't know the rules. Dave kind of fucked himself here. <laughs> because back during quarantine, he did the entire like spectrum, the entire gamut of frozen pizzas. Right. And one thing he was very strict on is if this is what the box says, this is how I do it. Okay. Yep. Oh, no. I don't think they give you a long enough cook time to optimize the one bite. Oh, to make it crisp. It, yeah, because the the crust gets the crisp, but the pizza itself, the undercarriage, as Dave calls it, does not get firm at 13 minutes. I think you need like probably I took it out at exactly 13 minutes. I went exactly by the rules because that's what he says. Go exactly by the rules, what it tells you on the box. And I don't think it got crispy enough um, for me. Now, do you think that's fault of the air fryer versus a conventional oven? Well, no, it was it was a conventional oven recommendation, okay. and I cooked it in the conventional oven. I didn't know if, the, if I didn't know if maybe I don't you altered have an it air for fryer big okay. enough to cook a okay a full like pizza 10, 12 inch pizza. Okay. Um, so I did it in the in our traditional oven. I just didn't get the uh, the right crisp underneath that so I would have liked. A little bit of flop, yeah. And it just not it, there wasn't as much wasn't as much as it was flop as it was just kind of doughy. Um, where it probably needed like another two, more two minutes. minutes. Yeah. If it, if the cook time would have been thirteen to fifteen minutes, I think that that would have been much better. Um, I will say, I don't think that the sauce on the one bite was as good as Screaming Sicilian. Screaming Sicilian sauce is outstanding. I love it. All right. Uh, especially for, you know, in the frozen pizza uh, category. I think, you know, I think you should buy two more and mess around with them, but have your daughter on the Brendel's Bites review the Dave Portnoy pizza. Oh, she had she had a piece tonight. Did she like it or did she not? The pizza. She liked it, Kelly says, but I oh, that's I'm I got just a, saying mm-hmm. I got a mm-hmm. just <laughs> looking, <That> was... <laughs> looking, looking for Brendel's bites to, to make a resurgence yeah. now that everyone's home. <laughs> or at least some crawfish. <laughs> I'll get her doing I'll get her doing crawfish at some point <laughs> in time. Best and worst strip club strip club songs. I'll start with Best Battle Flag by Low Fidelity All Stars. I've never heard that song in my life. Uh, worst <laughs> Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Why did you put Dustin as a first name? That's funny. Um, not that I would didn't, know. He didn't, he didn't hit the space bar. Asking for a friend. So, best the the two best are like easy. Pour some sugar on me back that ass up right like Ooh. i'm a big fan of shake that ass for <laughs> mystical which which is like that's if a, you look at it it's called shake it fast but that's not the song that's not shake the song. that ass watch yourself shake that ass show me what you're working with like that's a great strip i song. came in with the hunger <laughs> right that's <laughs> like and i love mystical i love <laughs> mystical 
So that would be if I was to request like a lap dance to like a like a, a song or like, you know, back in the in the private room dance, it would be Shake That Ass <laughs> by Mystical. That would be my jam. Worst, the worst, like there's two worst that are that are so easy. Dude looks like a lady. That's awful. Because you can't get it out of your mind. <laughs> and ooh, that smell. Smell it's all around you. Oh my gosh. Like if you hear either of those two, they're just so visceral that you well, can't, there's no escaping those two songs. I would in a would, in a strip club. I would counter you with it's raining men. Oh gosh. What what yeah. strip club are you going to? Jeez. <laughs> The, the same one that's playing dude looks like a lady man <laughs> you know i so so i've so i've never been um but uh if I've, uh I've, once or twice i've been i mean if i had to answer if, if you're pulling my leg i went know, with I, billy hamilton i would imagine oh well, well good for you i i would imagine that uh um, did he a lot dance like this He's like, love, come on, love come on, guys. I, I know everybody here. I know everybody here. Come on, we, we could go away right here. Come on, well, which song was the best, Aaron? Which song was the best then? I don't remember anything from that night. <laughs> good for you. I, what when you say love in this club would be a really good one. Um, I'm in love with the stripper would be a really good one. Uh, for the recent you know, people, you know, a little Roddy Rich, the box. Um, that that tended to be a pretty good one as well. What What's the innuendo on that one? Yeah. I, you tell me, but the the bad ones oh, will well always played. be the bad ones will always be eighty rock and like country and like soft rock. Yeah, that's the, the those are definitely the worst. You know, you and this one, this one's this one's niche, right? If she's got that look in her eyes that you know, you go crazy, bitch, buck. Cherry. That's a fantastic stripper song. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. it's but it's gotta be the right one because they, they can you, be insulted by that. If you didn't say that, I was going to bring that song up. Okay. They wow. can be insulted by that, but if they've got that look in their eye, if you play Crazy Bitch by Buck Cherry, you're gonna get a good lap dance. So um, so when Aaron goes to Newport, Kentucky, Buck Cherry <laughs> to the to the brass ass. I'm yes, not going over there. Buck Cherry, a little uh <laughs> I'll go up up 75 north. What about my neck, my back? Oh well, yeah, okay, well, sure. Nine inch nails. Interesting. That's a that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Literally, if you can, can I, find can it, I tell you can if I you tell, can find the five is, if you can find the five to seven minute song, you get more for your money. Yeah, I'm just geez, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So my bachelor party, we went to Louisville, right? And Kelly's here, so she's heard the story before. So I'm not gonna get in trouble for this, I don't think. That's where I was with Billy Hamilton. Um so we were there and I was trying to stay low key. Like I wasn't, you know, we weren't really getting lap dances. We were like, we, we stopped at the strip club and then we were going to go out to like do a little bar crawl afterwards. And one of my guys that was with me apparently was uh, a regular at the place. And he kind of, he knew the, the crazy chick. Do you know which one it was? PT? Huh? If it was PT, it was, that's, that's the one I've been to. It was one of the, it was one of the ones on fourth street. That's like the, like that's where the strip clubs are in Louisville. That little, I think it was probably you can PT. you can walk that's the PT. The, you can walk the, the PTs from Four Street Live. That's the biker one, right? Like the, mm. uh, that's kind of a biker hangout. No, no, no. Hmm. 
well, we went to one that was a little more not that night. Not the one not that the you guys went to. <laughs> what, what year uh, were you there? If it was for your bachelor party, that might have it may have changed. May have changed a little bit since 2007 was my bachelor party. Yeah, we were in there at different times. So we were we were behaving ourselves. We had a little table. There was like six or eight of us that were hanging out, and this this attractive young lady came over and uh, grabbed me by my waist and said, "I'm ready to grind some bachelor." Uh, you know what? Oh, geez. And I was like, well, that's that's aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Never said he didn't like it. <laughs> that was it was aggressive. And that's yeah. that's yeah, she she did what she said. She was and that's do. a story in the Bearcats are <laughs> facing Notre Dame fighting Irish. <laughs> look you ask off the wall questions you're gonna get off the wall answers that's right. just how this podcast goes that's right. why we are not part of the 24 7 sports network when you click podcasts on 24 7 we we could be there we passed that opportunity we said no to that opportunity because we wouldn't be able to tell stories about what the stripper said when she grabbed my belt buckle at we the, also would have had a party we also would have had to finish this podcast like an hour and 15 minutes ago or something. Exactly. Uh, Can you keep UC- them to an hour? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, is UC going to win? <laughs> That's actually a question. <laughs> I'm leaning in that direction. I think we all are. I'm not there yet, but I'm leaning in that direction. All right. Um, any update on the renaming slash sponsorship? No. Of the baseball stadium, it's asked every. Uh, no, I I don't know. I, that, I, that's a question that keeps getting asked. I I don't. That's not in my scope of uh, questions that I ask on a regular basis. I'll try to add it to the list. Does UC joining the Big Twelve actually increase that price? Probably not. Does it make sense? The Americans you guys- a really good baseball conference. Like. There's really like that. And that's, that's not to say there's not good baseball in the, in the big 12, but the American, if the, the one thing the American was kind of like <clears throat> up the, the spectrum on was baseball. Baseball is really good in the American. Does it make sense to you guys that you see as favored in South Bend? Yes. I would agree. Don't ask yes or no questions. That's. You're not going to get much bad, of an answer. It's a, yeah. it's a bad way to ask questions. Open it this late in the podcast. <laughs> open-ended questions are best. Um, I will say, before we move on to the basketball portion of the mailbag, um, somebody dropped a question at like 1 a.m. last week after we had already recorded. We do generally record. Well, I'm, I'm not even generally. We always record starting at 8 o'clock. So if you're not getting your question in before like 10, it's probably not getting answered. All right. Moving on to the basketball portion. I'm, I'm going to go back to one thing we, we have a uh, I found a a ranking of the 13 best stripper songs ever. This is a great. I love this topic. So number one in this ranking closer nine inch nails. <laughs> I said it. Number two, pour some sugar on me. Classic. Number three, girls, 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 Motley Crue. So what this is saying is while the 80s songs might be the worst. <sighs> They're also the best. I mean, but but when was this list concocted? Brent, uh, the songs in rock and roll tend to be roughly about four minutes. So you're September, getting about an September 13th. I'm, I'm on the same one. Yeah, I'm on the same you're, one right you're now. You're getting like an extra minute 
right. which is like 25% more when you're paying. Hot in here, Nelly. That was not bad. Candy shop, 50 cent. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> you shook me all night long, ACDC. I don't like that one. I just want to love you. Give it to me, Jay-Z. That's... I don't, I don't know that like that would be my number one Jay-Z strip club song, but that's a good it's one. It's not number one, but... What do you mean? It is his number one. It's just not... That's Jay-Z's number one strip club right, song. You're right, song. you're right. Jesus. I love them strippers. Two chains with Nicki Minaj. I'm not familiar with that masterpiece. <laughs> Shake that. Eminem with Nate Dogg. Anything with Nate Dogg is going to score high on the list. R.I.P. Rest in peace, Nate Dogg. Hot for teacher Van Halen. Only if, if she's the, in the hot teacher outfit. If she's like 35. And in the hot teacher outfit. And doesn't. Well, I'm not even going any further. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad girlfriend theory of a dead man? No. Back that ass up should be way higher. And then milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Take that right right off the list. (laughs) Right. I'm not (laughs) I'm not down with that one. I can find a million better than that. So that's the top 13 best stripper songs ever. I agree with like seven. So so Chad, going up based off Aaron's theory, we should open up a club. That plays just all fish songs that are just you know <laughs> 13 minutes, 13 minute 17. jams. Just yeah. Oh, I got you for one more song, girl. Lizards. <laughs> I mean, we, we could go back to meatloaf. <laughs> Billy Joel's piano man. That's like seven, seven minutes. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody would be Sweet nice child of mine, I think you. is like seven minutes. <laughs> It, she's she's grinding it out. To, I'm just a poor boy of a poor family. <laughs> <laughs> Sharing his life from this monstrosity. Easy come, easy go. I'm not touching this. <laughs> At that point, you're not even listening to the music. Right. <laughs> just saying. Outstanding. Outstanding. I'm so glad that we took that topic and made it our own. <laughs> with, with, by using other people's rankings another also. brick in the wall that that, that one's like <laughs> <laughs> we don't need no education and you need, you need the extra fine. instrumental added as well just do what oh, you gotta do hold up it's not done it's not done oh my god right, champagne right. supernova would be great that's like Man, nine minutes i mean i'm i'm all the way in for that one that that might be my that we like that might be my number one. To probably pick my phrasing better, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we know you see where were you while we were getting high in the back room of the strip club? Where the hell do you think I was? You actually shared Jesus. a J. Uh, do we know you see <laughs> exhibition opponents yet? Well, we found out tonight about the super secret game, according to Coach Mike Woodson from Indiana. Yeah. And then listen close. Uh, Sage and Skilling is committed with two known scholarships to use. Is UC men's basketball better served for 2022, giving offers to complimentary guys like Reed and Nelson and trying to get them signed this fall or waiting until the spring when it's known if more slots will be available and how current guys are progressing and then hitting the portal hard to recruit for need then? More spots will be available. If you think a guy fits, take him. And if not, wait until whatever happens in the spring piggybacking off of that question. Do you have any idea yet on how large the staff is targeting this class to be? 
At least four, I would guess. I mean, with the COVID stuff, you have a lot of unknowns. There, somebody's going to transfer. That's just how this shit works. Somebody's going to declare. Like, uh, just stuff. Who knows what the answer is on how it gets to four or five, but it's going to get to four or five. If Banana Bob sells the Reds, who do you want the new owner slash owners to be? Somebody that has a lot of money. I would love and, Mark, and wants Mark to Cuban. win. If Mark Cuban truly does want to buy a baseball team, I would love him to be involved here because he does not ever want to lose in anything that he does. I'm down with that. I'm down with Mark Cuban. Would would he do that Dallas to Cincy thing? Almost to they, Dallas to Chicago. I guess they don't yeah. really intertwine too much. Yeah, I don't think. No. I don't think MLB will ever approve him to be an owner personally because he's too uh, loud and outspoken. That- if, if, if he's got money's an ownership right. group, money's money. Like, sell the team, Bob sell Castellini. The team. Sell the fucking team. <laughs> Get out. After the Tolentino and Skellings commitments, what is the next biggest roster need that they have to fill for 2022? Combo forward and point guard. Center? I mean, if you're losing a doe and... Yeah, I mean, you can you can definitely there's got that's going to be a, tr- a portal thing. Yeah, portal. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Because you're going to Tino's that four or five. Yeah, your Sage is a long term. Yeah, entity. You know, he's coming off a knee injury. He's going to have to bulk up. He's going to have to adjust. Um, you're going to have to go out on the port in the. I, I think that's kind of a, like assumed. Oh, and portal. It also kind of yeah. depends on if the Russian can ever get on the court. Yeah, but you're still going to need more. Your your minutes at center are going to be filled almost exclusively by Abdulado and and Koval. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're going to need you're going to need help there. Who are technically so, yes. the only two that can't return, right? Right. So again, I brought it up the first. So yeah. <laughs> when is the first official practice? We already said tomorrow. tomorrow. 28. Um, what is the time frame on Reed's announcement? We already said Friday. Friday. Nailed Woo! it. Way to go, Brett. Look little bomb. big brain on Brett. Stein bomb. Little out of nowhere here, but any word on where Gary Clark may land for playing this year? Is he still on the Sixers roster? I have no idea. That uh, Look, I love Gary, but that is so far from my radar right now. I'm struggling to keep up with UC coverage. Uh, mm-hmm. So expanding outside of that is not a great spot for me right now just doing a quick google search here uh, looks like uh what last i heard was philly but like i i i don't think he's currently under contract with anyone um google says that his current team is philly but i don't know that he had a contract that lasted I think he was on like a 10 day or something when he was with. Philly. He was on like a, a, one of the like it's a extended deal. I don't know that it's like a full. Like guaranteed contract. Hmm. So we'll find out. That's a that's, that's a wait, crazy man. Wait and see. I just Injuries. went. I just went and checked things. We're up over. Just on the GoFundMe portion, we're up over thirty thousand dollars in. Eesh. We just crossed 24 hours. We're at like 24 hours and 15 minutes. And then based on the private stuff, that's another 3,000 or so. So 
like thirty-four thousand dollars in twenty-four hours is you guys are fucking bananas. Sorry, I just hadn't checked it in a while, so I hit refresh and wow. Banana can't Bob. Even, can't even begin to like express the level of gratitude for what you guys have done today. Oh, we did get thank you. I think we we got one or two that I hadn't seen. Um, what would you rather have football and basketball win over Louisville or football and basketball win over Kentucky? Louisville. Okay, Louisville's the yeah. rival. Yeah, yeah. Louisville's the rival. I, I'd love Kentucky, to see us play whatever. them again. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to see us play Louisville again. Um, and then also fun one, favorite old-timey sports video game, NFL Blitz for me. NBA Jam. Or I, I used to – like, you guys are probably too young. I, I would love double dribble back in the day because that was, like, the first basketball, like, actual basketball game. I love me some double dribble. NCAA football. Whew. That's not old-timey. Well, I guess it's old-timey because it's been seven, seven years, years since yeah. it – Yeah, I get that. Like, I'd agree with that. I just don't consider – for me, old-timey is a long fucking time ago. You right? remember <laughs> the arcade game Run and Gun? I, oh, I yeah. know I've, I've talked it was about basically it. double dribble. I've talked yeah, you, about this on the you pod did before. talk about run yeah. And gun, yeah. But running gun was my favorite, like bar none. Like it, I thought Very it was better than I thought dribble. it was better than NBA Jam, but it never got the same love. Right. That NBA Jam got because it didn't have real rosters. It was just mm-hmm. randos. But yeah, that was yeah. that was my jam. All right, that's the mailbag. That was Ooh. that was quite a mailbag. It's been two and a half hours on this pod. It's the second <laughs> week in a row we've gone two and a half I, hours. I like the two hour pods. Two and a half makes I I, I can't drink the same. I'm not figure. I've not figured out the pace. <laughs> I'm about to pee my pants. Let's get out of here. Same here. Same here. I mean, if you gotta like you know at at one forty five, maybe like you should take a pee break while me and Brent talk about something or whatever. We'll that's what. Like, that's what. That's what the streamers do, right? The streamers about every 90 minutes they get up and then go take a piss because they're they're on for a long time. So Figure we'll it find out, it. We'll we'll find the we'll find the happy it. medium. We'll find the happy medium. Yeah. Brad, my, get us out of here. My secret is I've got my catheter bag right here next to me. So I just Jesus. keep keep rolling. Don't, through. Kelly's in the room. Don't say catheter. Okay. My spark of flashback. Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. And that was you also, got headphones that in. Was, you can't hear. That was also a joke. It's also a she joke. hears she hears everything, Aaron. <laughs> everything. But hey, huge game this weekend. I know we've kind of uh, glossed over it, kind of uh, painted over it, kind of like Notre Dame did with that thirty-one point outburst in the fourth <laughs> quarter this past weekend against Wisconsin. <laughs> but coming up this Saturday, Mammoth game, two thirty, NBC, Notre Dame Stadium, top ten matchup, Bearcats. Versus the Fighting Irish, this will be a phenomenal game. Sticking to BCJ, we've got plenty, plenty, plenty of covers coming up for that leading up to kickoff. But for my good pals, good friends, and always partners in crime, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Aaron's got a pee. Get out of here. Yet again, this is the BBP presented yeah. by BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>